Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Voices for Change 2.0, the only podcast that focuses on mental health while mixing in movies, music, books, sports, and pop culture. Here are your hosts, Rebecca and Joe Lombardo. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Voices for Change 2.0. We are so glad to have you with us today. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks for spending uh, some time out of your, your busy Saturday, if you're listening live, uh, to, to hang out with us and listen to us. and Some great weather. We've been sent good weather. <laughs> oh, don't start that now. <laughs> All right. That was directed specifically at the Handmaid's Tale friends. Uh, if you like it, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to... Uh, I like the show, but 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 no, I'm not going to humor you on that one. Sorry, <laughs> not 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 today. Oh my god. Yep. So, but no, it is. It's it's uh at least in the Detroit area, it's it's really nice out today. Um, kind of hoping that I can take advantage of the of the nice weather a little bit. You know, it's not too hot yet. Um, it's just it's it's a pretty day. Hopefully, it won't be all rainy. I know it rained earlier, but you know. So we got a busy day yeah, ahead of us. Yeah, we do. We've got um, two shows today, back to back, one at eleven and one at twelve. Yep. And uh, we're we're really excited about it. It's um it's kind of our little contribution to Mental Health Awareness Month slash Mental Health Awareness Week. Mm-hmm. Wherever you're from, it it, it varies. Um, but we're just excited to get them on to talk a little bit about what they've been up to. So. Yeah. And the and our first guest is a is a repeat offender. It's her <laughs> second time here, and we're very excited about that. Um, and then our second guest, she'll uh, be about the the twelve o'clock hour. Mm-hmm. Um, William Dickerson. William Dickerson, yes, director of the movie sure. No Alternative. Um, a great, uh, great movie. Um, you know, we, uh, we 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 checked it out, and uh, you know, just it's it's interesting because it's a kind of a you know, it's funny you say period piece, and you think of you know, like yeah, uh, it's supposed to be set in the nineties. Yeah, it's set yeah. in the nineties, uh, nineteen ninety four specifically. You know, and um, it's funny because you you know, like those of us that are of that generation, you know, we're watching this and going. Well, yeah, that's accurate. Yep, that's how things. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, you know, so, you know, interesting subject matter. Uh, definitely addresses uh, concepts like suicide, and uh, you know, it's definitely a good watch. And you know, it's it's available now. But we'll get into more of that uh, later on when we talk with William. Uh, for now. We're, yeah, let's bring in our guest. Yeah, let's bring in our guest. So uh, she is, like I said, a repeat offender. Uh, she's been here before, and she's we're an advocate and a blogger. Yep, and we are, and a lovely, lovely person. Yes, and she's going to be. I don't know if it started yet or it's going to be starting. I read over the notes that she will be starting a podcast of her own, which is exciting. Yeah, always exciting. Mm-hmm. We we love to help people get their names out there when they're first beginning because I know how difficult it was for us. Yep. So, um, but we have Scott now, so all things are better, but. <laughs> <laughs> things, are, things are good. Yep. 
So anyway, please uh, welcome to the show for today, Annalie Roberts. Hi. 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 Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you for having me back. I, I mean, I enjoyed talking to you guys so much last time. I just couldn't get enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're irresistible. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Oh, thanks. Oh. So, how you been? How are you? Oh, I've been good. I've been really good, actually. Things have um, been very strange since I last spoke to you guys. I think it was November when I spoke to you guys. And there was, I've had a massive kind of, yeah, it is. Um, wow. And I ha- I've had a period of kind of, um quite a relapse into PTSD since then but then this year so far 2019 so far has been good for me so how about you guys um we've uh not, not gonna lie it's, it's been ups and downs it's definitely ups and downs and more downs than ups unfortunately but yeah you know we're, we're, we're getting through it we're yeah we're, we're pushing through we're a team and you know. we like to try to work things out on our own if it and if it becomes too big for us to handle then we'll find a professional or something but we really just um i put a lot of effort into the blog and the podcast and um you know what else and the possibility of me writing a second book um that might be another thing to tie me up and i'm taking all these online courses too so i'm busy but um that's good that's good there are days when it doesn't matter what I have to do, I still can't get out of bed. Yeah. So it's it's incredibly frustrating, but it's hard to remember that you're doing the best that you can. Yeah. It yeah, is. that's you know, that's the, the toughest part. And you know, I don't know if you go through this, Annalie, but you know, Beck has a tendency at times to beat herself up over it and I have to always kind of remind her, Hey, you know, you gotta take it a day at a time and you know, if all you can do today is breathe, then okay. You know, then that's that's what you're doing today, you know. Yeah, I absolutely do go through that too. And I think we spoke about this last time as well, how um, I try to remind myself that, you know, any kind of um, mental health problem is very much, you know, it's it's a dangerous thing to go through. And I just see it as, you know, a, almost a near-death experience, and sometimes it's just my job to survive. And hmm. like, I think it's important to remember that because it's so easy to beat yourself up, especially when you see other people kind of seemingly functioning. Right. Right. That's you. the hardest part. That's the hardest part for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people and that have I mean, same diagnosis that have gone out and done whatever they could possibly do. You know, don't, and those people are sort of a double-edged sword because I'm really happy for them and grateful that they have this, all this knowledge now and they're self-aware and they can take care of themselves. Um, but then you've got the people on the other side that are like, well, if you're better, then you should be doing this and this and this and this. Oh, and why aren't you exercising? And why why aren't you eating better? And, you know, do the laundry. Da, 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 da. So... Oh, it's it's so annoying, isn't it? It's like it is. people don't say this to people who have kind of physical illnesses. You don't, you don't, you know, the the illnesses that we've all come to accept 
just as you know serious and I think you've got you know this is a very serious illness as well and we people are doing what they can and you just use that phrase as well you know you see other mm-hmm. people doing what they can and I mean you're doing what you can so that's what matters yeah, yeah. you know it's it's every experience everybody's experience is different you know that's the absolutely the one thing to, to really bear in mind and take away is that you know just because you're maybe thriving and coping at this you know window of time you know and the next person isn't you know that's you know two different journeys you know uh, and if you're not thriving right now you know it can be hard seeing somebody that is thriving and you know you you tend to to beat yourself up and feel badly and why you know, why can't i do that kind of right you know what where's where's my disconnect why why are they able to do this and i'm not and you know, it's really, it's not a matter of that. You know, we all, it's like, it is like a physical disease where, you know, say two different people are battling uh, some form of cancer and it's the same form of cancer. And one of them goes into remission and one of them, you know, struggles to overcome it. And maybe they do, and maybe they don't, you know, and that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow, but you know, that's life, you know, and it, and it sucks. Oh, yeah. And I mean, here in the UK, it's certainly um, become one of, if not the biggest killer, it's certainly the biggest killer of young people um, is mental illness. And, mm-hmm. you know, the that's, that, and the fact that people don't take it seriously is, you know, ludicrous to me. It's so wild. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't get my head around it at all. Anything else yeah. that was this kind of pandemic kind of sweeping the nation or the globe, you know, <laughs> there'd be an uproar about it, and yet it's mm-hmm. still kind of brushed under the rug quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the the, the hard thing about it is, you know, we're just now getting to a point where it's socially acceptable to talk about it, but there's still a lot of stigma surrounding it. Yeah, and, I was I was talking the other day about. I wasn't sure whether the stigma was getting better or I had just blocked everybody that <laughs> that was tormenting yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard <laughs> you know, to tell. So it's it's very peaceful on Twitter for me right now. I don't <laughs> I don't get involved in any fights and I don't you know, say say yeah. controversial things and I just kind of get on there and read my notes and go. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of hoping that it, you know, people are starting to realize that um you know we're kind of all in this together you know we're all kind of yeah. rowing rowing the boat in the same direction and uh you know maybe hopefully you know some of the trolls out there are starting to realize maybe they need to be a little bit nicer about things so they're not I don't think it's so much that I think that they're not getting the responses that they had hoped for hmm. It could be, you know, or they're getting blocked. That's just my opinion, but yeah, yeah, they don't end up with in a big damn fight and, you know, horrible things said back and forth. I think that um, they're just happy to be able to go on, say their piece, and then leave without having to answer for what they've said. Yeah, I've dealt with that a couple of times. Yeah. So, well, we're going to dive into our questions a little bit here, Annalie, and uh, you know. See, uh, see what we can see. So, okay. 
Oh, you want me to start with that one? You want, mm-hmm. you want me to start with the other one? Okay. So you mentioned, you know, after we, we talked back in November that you went through a bit of a tough time, but now you're uh, you're doing better. Do you feel as if you're in recovery, and do you worry about relapse? Um, I, I firmly don't believe in um, a 100% recovery for me. I know maybe some people have achieved that. I don't. I don't see it as something. I think I'll always be on this journey, and I've kind of made a bit of peace with that. I think. Um, so, do I see myself as recovered? No. At the minute, I'm managing. Um, I don't think that is any, you know, reflection of my resilience or skill set. I mean, a certain amount I've learned, but a lot of it will be that I'm just feeling a bit better at the minute as well. Um, so am I in recovery? I would say no. Mm-hmm. It's a very okay. difficult question, though. Um, mm-hmm. I just I just don't think, you know, I have PTSD. I don't think that um, you can never reset my brain now. So I don't think that the while my behaviors and my symptoms might be slightly less right now, the triggers will always be there. And I think a lot of it can be circumstantial for me because of that. Some things are always going to trigger me, no matter how good I'm feeling. Some things are always going to mm-hmm. frighten me and send me back there. So, yeah, well, that's you know, where I'm at. Oh, yeah, this is real quick before I forget what I'm trying to say. Okay. Can I ask you just, it's sort of a more of a personal question, but um, how do you deal with a situation where supposedly on on Tuesday you you have a really bad day and and you're crying and you're frustrated and you're a mess and you can't go out anywhere with friends or whatever. Yeah. You just want to stay home and be by yourself. And then come Friday comes along and you're okay enough to go out and people are like, nothing's wrong with her. She's fine. Have you ever Ooh, experienced that? that? Um. Not to my face, actually, but I'm very, very, very particular about who I socialize with now. Um, mm-hmm. um, I'm in the fortunate position where my family are very understanding because I think that's the one thing, you know, you, people can't really, a lot of people feel as though they can't choose to walk away from family in particular. Um, mm-hmm. But I know that that must, be, that must be a really difficult thing to deal with. Um, yeah, I just I don't have those people in my life. I'm very well, I'm good. I'm not fortunate really that I've cut a lot of people out. Um, I've I've yeah. had to just be really careful who I associate with. Well, I accidentally started to read the comments on a page, and I got to like the fourth or fifth one, telling this girl how fat she was or whatever. I was just like, I'm done. I am done. I have learned my lesson. No more comments unless it's something I posted. Because mm-hmm. it's just, it's ridiculous the way people oh, treat gosh. each yeah. other. And You know, we have a, an amazing mental health community on Twitter. You know, everybody is very supportive. And I haven't had um, too many difficulties whatsoever. But, um, you know, not everybody can get to that information or, um, you know, thinks that it's help as helpful as I do. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. The, the community 
on Twitter is incredible. Social media gets a really bad rap sometimes, but I think it's one of the most supportive places on the internet for sure. Yeah, it can be. You know, it, it can be absolutely great. It can be completely terrible at times. But for for us that are in this mental health community, and you know, especially on Twitter, you know, we've really become you know a tight knit group, and that's you know, it, it's almost a refuge. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it's just you know that if you are putting something out there, you're gonna you you might get some negative comments here and there, but you know, for the most part, your uh, the responses you're going to get are going to be from people that you consider friends and are just treating you awesome and they're supportive and you know that if you're uh, having a tough time that you know they're going to be there. You know, and that's and that's oh, really yeah. nice. You know, it is. It is. So, so I feel, would you say? I feel as though the, I feel as though the community on Twitter has probably saved my life multiple times. Maybe not directly, but there've been so many mm-hmm. times when I've been down and turned to them. And there's always something uplifting to see. And I just really enjoy, even if I'm not particularly active a certain day, and quite often just on there, um, having a look. And it's nice to see people lifting each other up. It's very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll do a similar thing where, you know, maybe I'm not posting a bunch of stuff, but I'll see something that kind of hits a nerve or, or whatever, and I'll just, I'll retweet it and I'll throw Beck's hashtag in with it and, you know, just to throw some more attention to what the person said, you know, and I'll, I'll do that, you know, yeah. a bunch, bunch, you know, every so often. Are you, are you familiar with Keep Talking MH? Um, with the hashtag. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I am familiar with it, yeah. Yeah, I am. I didn't realize it was your hashtag. Yeah. Yeah, she, well she had it re- registered it and everything. Yeah, yeah, that's, oh, wow, uh, that's, that's... all the time. That's impressive. Yeah, no. that's, that's, that's her little creation. So, you know, we're, we're both real pleased that it's, it's taken off as much as it has, you know, and, and it's good. You know, I, I think it, it's helping bring the community together a little bit too, not to, not to toot a horn or anything. Um, but no, toot away. I think you're right. <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah. So, um, I was going to ask something and I can't remember what the I'm heck. Sorry, it's probably my fault. It's your fault. I'm going to blame you. All right, well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go to the next question, okay? Okay, you go to the next question. Stew. I'm gonna stew. <laughs> you ask your question. Okay. All right. Uh, how much support have you received from your family and friends? A, oh, practically probably not very much, but they're all very supportive people. I'm not very good at asking for help and at receiving help. Um, and I think that a little bit of the burden is, has to be on the receiver, you know. Um, someone would have to absolutely bang down my door for me to accept help. And it, obviously it's hard to um, ask for help. I do try to reach in with other people and kind of lead the way in demonstrating the kind of help I'd like to receive. But they are supportive. There's no 
negativity. I think it's just that they don't always know how to support me. Um, yeah. So it would be unfair of me to say that they're unsupportive. Uh, and a few individuals have been, you know, very uh, good at kind of listening to me and things like that. But there have been times when I've been really struggling and I'm not one for always alerting people to that. Yeah. It, it can be tough, you know, um, yeah. for, for various reasons, you know, so I, I know even, you know, Beck and I, like, you know, we have a, we have a really, really good relationship and, you know, good open lines of communications, but there'll even be times where she'll be struggling and she doesn't necessarily want to say anything to me because she feels I don't know, like she's being a, a burden or a bother or something, you know, and, and I have to remind her that, well, no, we're a team, we're in this together. So if you're having a bad time and you're struggling, don't be afraid to say something. And she's gotten yeah. better with that, you know, but um, it, it can be really difficult. You know, I, I go through my own struggles and, you know, sometimes I just, as much as, I might want to reach out and say something. I, you know, I'm also aware of everything, you know, all the chaos that's going on in our life. And I feel like if I do say something, you know, to Beck or whoever else that, you know, I'm like throwing gasoline on the fire, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm afraid of doing that. And it's something, like you said, you know, the, the person receiving the help, you know, some of the burden needs to be on them. And it's it's being able to make peace and be able to say, well, you know, I don't want to, you know, give you more stress, but I, you need to know this is what I'm going through, you know, and at least just to get it off your chest, you know, that's, oh, that's a big thing. Yeah. 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 And it is scary. It's, it's scary. And like, um, it's interesting that you say sometimes, you know, you feel like, the circumstance isn't always right or the timing isn't always right. And there are so many times when, you know, you finally feel like you want to reach out to someone and they might not be ready to hear it as well. It's a two-way thing, isn't it? So they might be busy or dealing with something and a negative response isn't always a negative response. Sometimes it's just somebody else not being able to cope with your truth at that moment. And it's right. hard, it makes it hard. That's what I tell people on Twitter all the time and, and on the show is that if you're considering using Twitter as, you know, a safe haven for your emotions, I would caution you with that because it's it's not because people are trying to be rude. It's just that they either don't have the answers or they're not around to get in this big, long conversation with you or, you know, the person might have asked, the questions got answers and didn't like the answers. So they went to somebody else. So that kind of thing happens yeah. all the time. So I'm, I'm proud of the fact that the the mental health community has kept up with trying to support others. Um, yeah. Because you can't always get exactly what you need from that one conversation. Oh, no, absolutely not. I, it would be unreasonable to expect every single person to be able to answer your questions at all times. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. So, Annalie, how about you tell us about your blog and your upcoming podcast? Um, 
So, um, well, I a podcast series that was um, a wet a mental health awareness podcast series, and it got me um, you know, some award nominations, and I thoroughly enjoyed recording them. And then I took a bit of a hi- hiatus from that last year when my PTSD hit really bad. And it became a source of um, pain for me rather than comfort. And I think it always had been a little bit. Um, I was working on it with one of my oldest friends from school. And mental health has always been my passion. And she perhaps wasn't as... She was doing it to support me rather than because it was her passion. So it was always a bit of a drag on her. And Mm. it was kind of a source of... Uh, it became something where I felt obliged to put the content out weekly and it was putting a lot of pressure on me and I was burning out all the time. It didn't feel comfortable or natural for me to be doing it. Uh, I can't quite put my finger on why, really. Even now, I've done quite a bout of um, soul-searching, but it did get me... um, You know, I had some awesome conversations with people and it. some of what I learnt was you know, really groundbreaking for me. I had some breakthrough moments. I spoke to some of the people with PTSD and it really lifted me in some ways. But also having those conversations when I wasn't feeling ready to have them and I didn't feel emotionally equipped to deal with them was harming me. Um, so I took a break and I looked back at all the work I'd done and, you know, some of it I'm really proud of some moments in the podcast, but also what I realized when I looked back was that my mental health has become more all-encompassing than just mental health for me. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of um, social justice and things like that that I've been working on campaigning towards, uh, things like period poverty, um, women's rights, there's been a lot of like men's mental health, etc. And I'm very interested in kind of the human experience as a whole now and how people treat each other, how that feeds into our mental health and how we treat ourselves. Um, And I'm kind of taking... So I was almost going to go back to that podcast and try and rebrand it, but then I thought, no, I'll leave that where it is. And that's Mm -hmm. a particular chapter of my awareness campaigning and my journey, and I'll go for something new where I can move it into the direction I've naturally veered towards anyway. So what I'm planning is a collection of conversations with um, different people about their lived experience and particularly some of the voices that I feel aren't being heard um, as much. And I'm, I look at the mental health community and I think, God, I, I almost like I see all these people around me who are so incredible and are campaigning so hard for their you know, pockets of knowledge and they're doing so incredibly well and a lot of the voices are still not being heard enough and I look back at my my own podcast and even though I was, you know, campaigning for something good and I do believe that what the work I did was good, I'm not proud of the narrow sliver of humanity that I featured on the podcast, you know, not deliberately, but everybody was Mm -hmm. able-bodied, everybody was straight, well, not, not everybody was straight, but the majority of people were able-bodied white straight people and Mm. I want to 
I don't want to fight the fight if that by the time we've won it, it's only taken forward to people born into privilege anyway. I think it's very much something where I want to help um, everybody on an absolutely equal platform get the access to the treatment they need. Um, I want to highlight some issues that maybe aren't being heard enough, etc. So that's a very long-winded explanation of where this <laughs> podcast is going to go. Um, but I, I'm feeling very excited about it. So maybe less mental health awareness and more kind of vision and experience that does our mental health not really feed into all of that anyway. Very true. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm losing my voice over here as per usual. <laughs> um, we are going, we're going to take a quick break actually, and we'll catch you on the other side. This is, I can't read it. Brian Justin Crumb with Circles.
Welcome back to Voices for Change 2.0. I'm Joe. She's Rebecca. And on the line, we've got the lovely and talented Annalie Roberts from uh, the UK. And uh, it's funny because both of our guests last week from the, were from the UK. Mm-hmm. And then and now we've got Annalie. And uh, I, don't, I don't think William's from the UK, though. No, I don't think he is. So we're, okay. we're going to break our streak. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so... Oh. <laughs> So talk to us a little bit. What was that? I was saying there's quite a big mental health community over here in the UK. It's quite seems oh, yeah, to be quite active. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 incredible, you know, and the amount of people that we've talked to from over there that are involved in mental health, they're just they're amazing, and they're amazing people. Um, <clears throat> we we love every time we get to talk with. Uh, someone from across the pond. Um, yeah. It's just, it's it's our joy. <laughs> oh. Can you tell us a little bit about your blog? And um, We already asked that, babe. We did? Yes, we did. But I have a di- additional information written here. Oh, ask the additional information you have written. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Tell me about, I'm losing my voice. You are losing your voice. Tell us about um, Pigletish. Am I saying that right? Yeah, that is correct. uh, Pigletish. So it's a mental health awareness website that I started predominantly. It's a blog. And um, it started as me documenting my own journey to recovery. And it became very clear to me quite quickly that it was something people wanted to hear about. I had a lot of colleagues and friends come forward to kind of say oh, this is how I feel, you've made me feel less alone, um, which then spurred me on to write more. And so now I kind of spend a lot of time writing for that. So that's just um, P-I-G-L-E-T-I-S-H.com? It is, it is, yeah. Named after the A.A. Milne. Uh, piglet character. Oh, I've always wondered that. Never got the opportunity to ask you. Yeah, like, <laughs> and, I, and I, I get that. You know, I mean, piglet was actually I loved piglet. Uh, the whole Winnie the Pooh thing was was kind of big in my formative years. So you know, I think piglet had PTSD. You think so? Yeah, very possibly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's really funny if you actually think back on all the different characters, and they're all different. They represent different aspects of mental health. You know, like Eeyore with his, you know, you know, being depression, depression you know, depression, mm-hmm. and Tigger, you know, He's always manic. <laughs> yeah, always bouncing off the walls and everything. It's it's actually rather kind of uh, interesting concept if you look at it from you know, the point of view of adulthood. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what a great way to introduce all those things to children through, like, such like cute little stories. But I really identified with Piglet when I was young, and I really felt well represented in that (laughs) neck of the woods. (laughs) Definitely, I think that we've got to get kids ready earlier on to be able to deal with these types of situations. Um, somebody in your Absolutely. class maybe has, um, what am I looking for? 
you know, they're they're dealing with different things. And so maybe they're dealing with PTSD because of events that are going on at home. Um, autism, that's the word I was You know, for. maybe they're, you know, dealing with autism. You know, maybe they're... And just, you know, teaching kids compassion. And, yeah. You know, hopefully it would help them grow up and do a compassionate adult. I mean, that might be a pipe dream, but, you know, that's what, what my hope is. That, you know, I started a position a petition, but it's actually hasn't been responded to in quite some time, but I was looking to try to get um, one mental health awareness class um, every week in in all high schools. Yeah. I I almost think it needs to to start earlier than that, though, too. Um, I didn't know how to go as deep into it with younger kids. Yeah. I didn't want to freak anybody out or upset any parents or anything. Yeah. But but yeah, the the definitely having bringing that education to children. You know, I, I think they're on the right track with this anti-bullying thing that's been going on for a few years. But I don't think it extends enough into uh, you know treating with compassion somebody who who may be dealing with tough times at home because they're being abused or they're being this or that, you know, so they're, so they're suffering with PTSD or they're suffering with depression, um, you know, various other situations like that. You know, it, it's just a, a that more could be done, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. You know, do they, do they do anything like that over in the UK with uh, the educational system? Annalee? Um. I'm I'm not the biggest expert on it, and I hear that things are get are getting better. There is quite a big um, push for it at the minute, although I'm not sure how much education, how much of actual official mental health kind of education there is. Um, I don't think very much. There certainly was none as I was growing up, um, and it's absolutely yep. something that needs to come in a lot sooner in people's lives. Yeah. Uh, we we agree. You know, we didn't have it when we were growing up either. And, uh, you know, Beck's been wrestling with it since she was 19. And, um, you know, I, I think I think if it was talked about as maybe part of a health class or something in high school, that would certainly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, because, yeah. you know, a lot of schools don't have the funding to be able to start a new program or to have people come and speak. So do it in health class. I mean, they teach you about <clears throat> your period and using condoms and stuff like that. Seems like sex falls hand in hand with that. Yeah, you know, you, you're going through so many changes <clears throat> in in high school, and uh, you know, you don't know what the hell's going on. You know, so being able to have somebody come in and not only do the the sex education but also being like okay there might be times when you feel this way or you might be might be times when you're going through that and this is possibly what's going on you know just having that bit of education would really I think yeah I think would really go a long way absolutely um how do you feel how do you feel about the stigma surrounding mental illness you know do you think we're doing enough um, is there anything that, that we're missing the boat on that maybe we should be doing? Uh, what, what do you think, Annalie? Um, 
I think that humanity is not doing enough. I think that the mental health advocates are um, doing what they can, you know, and I think it's oh, it's so difficult, isn't it? I think that um, there's no... Oh, what a question. <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think we're doing I think we're doing what we can. I think that the burden needs to be on the um kind of the businesses, particularly money making businesses. Mental health promoting good mental health among people does not really go hand in hand with making a lot of money. Um because, you know, you need better workers' rights and so forth to try and support people. And also, you know, our mental health would be better if they didn't constantly try and sell us stuff and just actually, I think that there's a big focus on possessing things as a society. And I think we need to move away from that and consider how we treat each other more important than what we own. Um, Obviously, that's not conducive with a big capitalist um society and making money and it's it's a difficult one where i think it's going to take some drastic changes to make the awareness come from the people it should be coming from because i it actually annoys me a little bit where i see big corporations who are not practicing what they preach mm-hmm. trying to raise awareness the marketing messages about mental health brilliant if it's coming from a an ethical organization who are working with their employees and their customers and, and trying to improve things, particularly with their employees. But if it's coming from somewhere, you know, where like, like just a blanket, you know, it's just a PR tick box exercise, then I find it highly annoying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I agree. You know, there's, you know, it's, we're, the, the the conversation over here in the states right now, and this is going to be a hot button issue going into 2020 uh, with the presidential election and all of that, is uh, a concept called Medicare for all, which is basically universal health care. And you know, I'm not going to talk too much about it. We try and avoid politics on the show, but I will say that you know it's my personal belief that anything medical should not be a for-profit situation you know people yeah. should not be getting getting rich off of the suffering of other people i just i find that unconscionable you know uh-huh. um it, it just it, it bothers me you know i don't remember reading anything in the bible where jesus took t- uh copays you know what i mean uh, yeah it just, absolutely it just it just bugs me you know and um so yeah, so that's that's a big push over here and you know, I know you guys have the NHS over there and you know, we've gotten varying degrees from people we've talked to of you know, how how beneficial it's been for them, how it's worked out, you know, or things they've had to wait on and different things like that. Um is it what what's been your experience with that? Um, well, in general, the NHS has served me very well uh, for my physical health. But, yeah, um, mental health-wise, it's definitely been lacking for me. Um, I think okay. there are certain um, illnesses that there's maybe more help for. I think there's, if it's some, 
if it can be medicated, they will medicate you. And interestingly, I wondered, I do sometimes wonder if, you know, medicine wasn't so profitable for the for the big companies, uh, would would there be better access to therapy, et cetera? Like, why are we having it pushed on us? It's, it's just, obviously, it's beyond my comprehension anyway, though. It's, like, out of my, definitely over my head. Um, but yeah. it, does, it does make you kind of question there's so many people out there who kind of want therapy, et cetera. And would we have more of a focus on therapy than meds? If, it, if meds didn't make the money, you know, therapy costs money and medication, yeah. certainly for the NHS and, um, medication, of course, it's free for people in Wales, but it, it, people in England pay for their prescriptions. Um, but globally, the pharmaceutical companies make money off medication that you'd nowhere near make that kind of money off providing therapy for people, would you? Right. Right. Exactly. Hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I'll, I'll mention this and then we can move on. But, you know, there was a video I watched the other day of a, uh, a freshman congressman uh, over here. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with her or not, but her name is... Uh, uh, are you familiar with her? <laughs> uh, I'm blanking on her first name, Alexandria or Casio Cortez. I couldn't get the Alexandria part out. Um, and she was, she was, uh, for lack of a better word, grilling this uh, pharmaceutical CEO and asking him about this particular medication that they make. And she's like, "Why is it, you know, someone here in the United States when they buy it, it costs two thousand dollars?" For this thing, but then you go over and she mentions some other country, and he and she says it costs eight dollars, you know, and mm-hmm. it's things like yeah. that that, you know, it just it grates on me that, you know, I understand money needs to go into research and money go, needs to go into, you know, different things and and obviously marketing they have to market these pills when they come out and stuff, but, um, you know, it just it seems like the pharmaceuticals are are going above and beyond to get rich as quickly as possible on our backs. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it does. I, it feels, it feels very much like it's all about how much money they can make and not very much about how much they can help people. And you shouldn't really have to market pharmaceuticals, should you? If they fix something, why does it need a big marketing campaign? You know why? Because the fact that it works is should be enough. You would think that, but there's a lot of stupid people in the world and they actually have to take the medication. Say it's Prozac. Okay. And they read on the commercial for Prozac. They say, Please do not take Prozac if you are addicted to Prozac. Well, that is, I mean, you have medical uh, things advertised to you in America in a way we don't have that over here. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, we don't have uh, medical adverts. The doctors, pres- you can only get, you know, the medicine that your doctor prescribes you, and they're not advertised. And whenever I come to America, it does always, you know, you've got those adverts that have the terms and conditions da, 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 at the end. And, like, we just don't have that here. That's wild. Yeah. You know, you, you watch the commercial. so interesting to me. <laughs> you watch a commercial over here and they're like, it'll fix this. But 
because it'll fix this, this will go wrong with you and that'll go wrong with you and your butt's going to fall off and your elbow's going to yeah. go the wrong way. It's like, well, gee, yeah. do I really want to take that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, it's scary. It's, 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 uh, it's insane, the times that we're living yeah. in, I'm telling you. Um, well, we're getting down to the wire <clears throat> here. Excuse me. So um, what is coming up next for you? Well, so I have this new podcast that's going to be launched, um, and I'm trying to find a way at the minute to kind of be able to tour the UK a little bit in terms of not like a rock star, just in terms of being able to get around more and actually meeting some of the people I'm having these conversations with and doing it face-to-face and getting to sit down with them and create some really good content. Um, I'll also be going back to... Uh, YouTube shortly and making some videos there because I I did dabble but I found it a lot of work and I'm hoping to go back to that Um, and my main plan is to take things in small chunks and not burn out so everything I'm going to be doing is looking at kind of an eight week run of a certain type of content and then a break for myself so that I don't Mm -hmm. end up over committing Right. That's a really good idea, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I think that <clears throat> speaks to um, self-care a little bit, you know, because, yeah, yeah. you know, you're you're doing it in bite-sized chunks. You, you know, okay, I've got this limited amount of time, so you're not, you know how much effort you want to put into it and how much thought and, and all that, and it doesn't overtax you. Um, that's, that's an yeah. important thing. Mm. You know, and that's, yeah, that's, that's, absolutely. The podcast sounds really exciting, you know. I, I gotta admit, I'm I'm intrigued to, to hear, you know, where you uh, where you're going with it and what yeah, you do. And when you've got it set up, just shoot me a message, and <clears throat> we can bring you on here again to kind of hype it up a little bit if you like. Oh, absolutely! I'd love to do that. I'd also would absolutely love to have you on as well. That would oh, be something yeah. that would would be an honor. <laughs> Oh, well, we'd, you, we'd be honored. Yeah, we'd love to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like that you're going, you know, for more of a, a human experience versus just concentrating on, on mental illness. You know, I, I, this all kind of goes hand in hand, and I think that, you know, it's important to shed light on all aspects just so, you know, we can grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I started doing my mental health awareness work, I wasn't aware that there was a community around it. I wasn't aware that there were, I, I, I just thought, oh, I'm going to talk about this and I need to talk about this. I didn't know that there were other people doing it and I didn't know that there were other people doing it so well. And now I think it's grown and there are so many people who are, I've seen so many new people come into the scene since I've been doing it as well. And it's grown mm. so rapidly, and I feel almost like, okay, like, you guys have got this. I can step into this, if that makes sense. Like, like I feel like this is in very safe hands. Not that I ever owned it in the first place, but I feel like <laughs> I'm a perfectionist. It's like, okay, this is in safe hands. I can, I can, if I go in this direction a little bit, nothing's going to collapse. I don't have to always be doing everything myself. I can ask for help, and yeah. Exactly. You know that's that's a that's a huge thing. You know, knowing that you've got, you know, that kind of support, and also knowing that you've got 
all these other advocates out there that, you know, like I said earlier, we're all rowing the boat in the same direction, you know, and I think that's oh, great. Oh, yeah, need a bigger boat. We, we might need a bigger boat, mm-hmm. you know. Need a bigger boat. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, we um, all love a good Joel's reference. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what? Uh, where can people find you uh, on on social media? There, Annalie. Um, what are your uh, your different spots? Well, Twitter is the platform that I'm active on, and I'm just at Piglettish, which is P I G L E T I S H, and that's where it's probably best to catch me. I'm also on Instagram um, at Piglet dot ish because somebody else already had piglettish um oh. and twitter yeah twitter is definitely the best place to get me okay. i'm very uh talkative on there and i like to chat to people i don't like to just put things out into the ether i like to actually engage and have people talk to me and to learn more about them as well that's very cool yeah we 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 love seeing your stuff on there mm-hmm. and uh you know retweet retweeting it and engaging and you know, Twitter, you know, again, what we said before, Twitter gets a bad rap on stuff, but, um, you know, being able to have these different conversations or, you know, what's what's really cool that I, I've kind of seen is you'll see a post from somebody and they're struggling and right away, you know, that gives you the opportunity to, to prop them up or right before you can say something to prop them up, somebody else chimes in with, Hey, you're, you know, you got this going on. You're great. Blah, blah, blah. And it's, um, just super supportive, you know? And yeah, yeah. Everywhere. you can't get that everywhere. You know, I can't get it on Facebook anymore. You know, uh, it's for sure. Um, Facebook isn't, isn't bad per se, but you know, eh, there are certain I've learned over time there are certain things you don't talk about on on Facebook that you talk about on Twitter, you know. Um, it's that algorithm on Facebook. Everything I see whenever I log in, which is very rare, is just mm-hmm. um, news articles or you know recipes that are very questionable looking, and take <laughs> maybe thirty you know those thirty second recipes, and you think that's not how that's not how you've done that. You this is not. <laughs> not possible to make an aubergine look that good like i think it's an <laughs> eggplant for you guys uh, not possible you're lying to me <laughs> yeah but but i tell you what it taught me how to make my perfect over easy eggs which i oh did you it? Know, I, yeah back back will tell you i've been ruining those things for almost 20 years and uh <laughs> just in the last couple of months <laughs> i i watched a little, stupid little video and it told me to do two different little things and what I was doing. And they've been coming out like restaurant quality. I'm just, I'm, I'm breaking my arm, patting myself on the back. Well, blow me away. There is a use for them. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You know, it's just, it's all in in the application, I think. (laughs) Yep. So I wonder if we, we had the uh, directive to go seven more minutes because we are are doing that double show today, and we're just going to segue right into our next interviewer, our interview rather. Interviewee. Uh, would you like to say anything else in closing? Um, I don't think I have anything else to say really. Um, 
do you have any further questions or anything like that for me? Um, we can uh, talk with you about the advice you give to family members uh, to help them understand mental illness, family or friends. Ooh, um, my, I try my hardest to tell people, this is going to sound really convoluted, but the, <laughs> the biggest advice I tell people is kind of to not take advice. It sounds so bizarre, <laughs> but I think we know our brains better than anyone else does. And provided you're listening to your body and your brain and you're doing what you need to, then I don't think you need other people's advice, particularly not unsolicited advice. I think it's good yeah. to maybe reach out and ask for help from people who have lived experience of it. Um, but, I mean, classic example, I think a couple of weeks ago, I you know, tweeted something on Twitter where I started with, other people who have PTSD, do you ever get the feeling of dread when you are going to meet up with kind of um, somebody who's a potential romantic partner or with a certain friend, even though you know that you're perfectly safe? And someone chimed in with, well, if you feel unsafe, you should never go and meet this person, um, and blah, blah. And, you know, I was like, do you have PTSD? And immediately, no. And it's like, well, why are you why are you weighing in on this? I've made it very clear that this is specifically to do with my mental illness and, and you're you're just this is just nonsense. Like this is not a topic you need to weigh in on. And luckily, you know, I didn't I obviously didn't phrase it like that. I said, um that this is specifically to do with my the way my brain works and other people who are experiencing what I'm experiencing. And luckily the person like understood and was quite respectful. I was surprised at how they were like, Oh, okay, sorry. Um I'll like chat to you another time or something like that. And I was <laughs> I was quite quite happy about that because usually I think you'd get a little bit of stick for um yeah. telling someone to basically shut up. <laughs> but I was just I just can't understand everybody has a million opinions on everything these days you know you see people telling you know men telling women what their life has been like and you know white people telling people of color what their life has been like and how to you know go about navigating the world and how can you possibly know if you haven't lived that person's experience it's ludicrous exactly exactly um i uh Definitely agree. So it's been uh, an absolute delight talking to you today, um, Annalie. We were so glad to have you with us. Yeah. And you had, did you have to get I, up early? No, she didn't. Have to um, early. No, it's the afternoon it, over there. It is. It's, oh, that's, it's that's currently five five o'clock. In the evening. <clears throat> yeah, I forgot you're in the UK there for a minute. I don't know why you have an accent. But. <laughs> well, no, to her, to her, we have an accent. So. <laughs> You know, yeah, that. she's not the one who can't <laughs> figure out where she is. <laughs> uh, well, my dear, thank you so much for tuning in uh, and, and calling in and, and being with us. Uh, we're we're uh, completely honored that you know you spent time with us today, and we love talking with you. And you know, like we said, once you've got uh, your, your podcast up and running, um, give me a shout, and I'll see about getting you on to uh, talk a little bit about it. Yep. Thank you. And, uh, thank you. That be. And thank you for having me. Like you guys are my favorites. <laughs> Aww, thank you. Um, hang on the line. We're uh, we're gonna be.
scooting out of here with uh, Coat of Armor from David Hernandez. And on the other side of that, we'll be talking with William. Stay tuned, guys.
Hey, good afternoon. <laughs> Almost said morning. Good afternoon on this uh, lovely, uh, what the heck month is it? May. May, thank you. <laughs> it's going to be May. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. I, I do apologize for that. That you, was. You should. I'm going to slap you later. Oh, that was terrible. Yeah, that was uh, really bad. Yikes. Anyway, we're glad to have you here in, in this. Thank, thanks for tuning in for hour two. Yeah, we are right about to start hour two of our um our cavalcade of uh i couldn't think of anything to put in there i wasn't thinking about that i was thinking about something else but that's okay okay i'm sorry but um we're, we're really grateful to have um the whole rest of the month of of may we are having double guests every saturday yep so um and that is in observance of Mental Health Awareness Month, and in the UK, I don't know if it's over yet, but they had Mental Health Awareness Week as well. So I think it ended uh, today. Okay. I think it was this past week. I could be wrong, but I thought I thought I saw online that it was it was this week was uh, this, this past week was was Mental Health Awareness Week over there. Okay. Well, with us today, we've got. Um, a true powerhouse with us is what I would say. He has had the stream of of creating something and was able to reach out and go take care of it and, and just handle his business. And because of that, he's got a film that's getting a really good representation at different theaters. Um, he's got some pretty wide distribution. Yeah, for sure. You know, and it's a great film. You know. It was. It was very good, and uh, we're going to have him talk about that yes. when we bring him in, but we're just really excited to have Mr. William Dickerson. Hi. Thanks for having me on. It is our pleasure, and uh, thanks for taking uh, some time out of your busy Saturday to talk to us on our humble little show. And please, oh, a- absolutely, re- absolutely. please excuse my brain fog. <laughs> <laughs> I had a... I had a donut and it has a lot of gluten in it. <laughs> the, the sugar sugar wearing off. Yeah. Yeah, she, yeah. She's uh, she she's spacing a little, but uh, yeah. but she's still cute as a Dickens. Oh, I think uh, funny. Well, Saturday. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and just so so our listeners are aware, uh, this will be a mostly Rebecca show, <laughs> as um, I got to take off pretty soon to. Uh, Handle some business of my own. Woo! Woo! I don't, I don't Back know. Back show. Back show. <laughs> oh, boy. And, and you with the brain fog. <laughs> yeah, it, really. You guys are in for a treat. <laughs> what is it, December? <laughs> no. No, it's not, honey. That's, that's why the windows are open. Yeah. Oh, well. uh, it's may, Michigan. What do you expect? May, may God have mercy on your soul, William. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. So you gonna get going? Um. What time is it? It's uh. It's almost ten after. Um. Yeah. Maybe I better uh, get things get things going. I'll, I'll tell you what though. I'll ask the first question. How's that? Okay. You you cool with that? Mm-hmm. You let me do it. Okay. I will do it. Um. So William, where does your yes, mental sir. health begin? It's a question uh, we ask everybody. Where does my mental health journey begin? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's been a long one. I mean, uh, 
recently I've been dealing with um, depression, rather long-term depression, which I believe is um, called dysthemia disorder, of where you know basically I've had a number of um, tragedies occur in my life, of, unfortunately, the past few years, um, one of which was my sister, Brianna, who uh, herself suffered from terrible mental illness. She was borderline personality disorder. Uh, diagnosed, and she wasn't diagnosed until much later into her condition, um, you know, which has happened to a lot of people who are borderline because it had, has not become as common as it, as it uh, has become in the past 10 years. Um, and she also was dual diagnosed with drug addiction because she just got so used to being prescribed this drug or that drug, you know, see how you feel after months with this SSRI and we'll take you off that, put you on this. So, you know, I, I've been... I grew up with my sister and around mental illness my whole life. And since she died uh, at the age of 30 of a drug overdose uh, in 2014, mm. it really just knocked the wind out of me. Um, and not to mention that I've always wanted to make her story into a film. <clears throat> uh, this this movie is based on a book that I wrote uh, in 2012. And it's a lot of it is her story. The main character is based on my sister. And obviously I'm sure we'll get more into the details later. Uh, but she was still alive when the book was published. When she died two years later, I felt like, well, I, there's, I have to make this movie no matter what. And, it, you know, making a movie is a huge endeavor. I mean, it requires a lot of yeah, money. Sure. Lot, you know, it really, um, a lot of infrastructure and people. So it, but, I, you know, the passing my sister was as much motivation as I needed. So once I decided to make the movie, we ended up raising the money, shot in 2016, and uh, completed it recently, had a successful festival run, and, um, you know, now it's it's been distributed. But, you know, even with all the success, I'm still, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm still grieving the loss of my sister, and I also just uh, lost my father unexpectedly a few months ago. So it's been, uh, it's been kind of a whirlwind of emotion. I believe it. You know, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a lot to go through, and for sure. Um, you know, I and, and, and we're... I've lost two of my brothers to yeah. addiction. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and we're, we're sorry what, with what you went through with your sister. Um, yeah. You know, I hate to do this, but uh, I got to run. Uh, William, it's been a pleasure uh, talking yeah, with you and meeting with you. Uh, likewise, yeah. and uh, I will I will definitely catch you around the the uh, interwebs. The interwebs. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, so enjoy have, uh, have, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, I'm going to try. Enjoy talking to my beautiful brain-fogged wife. (laughs) (laughs) I will. I'll I'll catch up to you later, man. Take care. Take it easy. Bye, honey. Bye, babe. One second. All righty, and we are back. So we had touched a little bit on um, your film in the the first question, but I was wondering yeah. if you could sort of explain a little bit more for the listeners what no alternative is. Great. Well, it's a uh, it's a coming of age drama about teenagers in the in the early 1990s, and it focuses in on a brother and a sister. Uh, brother Thomas Harrison, he's really determined to start his own alternative band after the suicide of Kurt Cobain. And it becomes an obsession that blinds him to what's either the mental collapse or the eruption of musical genius of his little sister, Bridget. Uh, Bridget 
just reject the entire alternative trend of the time uh, and takes on the persona of a hardcore gangster rapper named Brita B. So it's essentially these two, two very similar but very different people uh, pursuing their own musical aspirations to kind of deal with their own uh, inner turmoils, respective inner turmoils. Okay. Well, that sounds <clears throat> very interesting. I'm sorry about my throat. <laughs> yeah, this, no problem. This happens to me a lot, and people have been telling me I need to do throat exercises or something. <laughs> well, maybe, or some uh, honey. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. <clears throat> so what was your primary decision or why, you know, reason for um, wanting to make a movie? Well, I've been making movies my entire life, basically. You know, I mean, I grew up as a movie lover, and once I got my hands on my grandfather's hand-me-down camcorder when I was in sixth grade, I recorded everything. You know, instead of doing book, book reports, I would do movies. You know, thank God my teachers let me do that. Um, if they didn't, I don't know where I'd be today. But, you know, I, I just got obsessed with filming everything. Uh, I studied uh, film in college, and I went to the American Film Institute for my master's um, in 2004, and ever since then I've been making making films. No alternative is my is my fourth movie, but it's also been the movie that I've always wanted to make. You know, ever since uh, probably around 2000, yeah, 2007, I've been really focused on making this particular film because it's inspired by uh, real people. Right, my, mm-hmm. Bridget is is based on my sister, Brianna. Uh, the mm-hmm. parents are based on my parents. Uh, the Thomas character, loosely based on me, because we watched the film. There's a lot. Of, there are a lot of things that happened that didn't happen to me, uh, but there are some that did. So you know, I mean, it's not exactly autobiographical, but it's very much um, in tune with the with the truth of you know how people in my life experienced uh, mental illness and and what we were doing in the '90s. So I feel like the early '90s was a really special time for pop culture. Uh, particularly in, in movies and, and music. It was also a kind of time where, you know, the baby boomers' kids were growing up and they were supposed to be fine. Like, oh, everything's great. So your white picket fences, you know, we're, uh, our, our generation is going to do better than the last generation. But I think along with that came just a blanket uh, ignorance, of, you know, with respect to feeling and emotion. Uh, and it was a time where I think if you're a teenager and you're having um, trouble, uh, perhaps mentally, you, you felt ashamed to kind of come out and talk about it. Um, right. Whereas the whereas the music, it was the first time really where the music of the time really focused in on uh, depression and mental illness. Mm-hmm. I mean, like grunge as a style really illuminated the dark darker emotions that I think teenagers couldn't or didn't want to express. And I, I think that's why they were drawn to that music. I mean, you look at Nirvana and In Utero, for example, that mm-hmm. album, in hindsight, every song almost reads like a, a, a quasi-suicide note. I mean, it's so depressing. It's 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 like death is calling this man. And we, you know, yeah. we didn't realize it at the time, or maybe we did, but we didn't, you know, think that he would actually kill himself. But um, right. it was it was an interesting time. It, and now I'm, I want to use that time as a lens to shine a light on the problem now, which I mean, I think is unfortunately growing worse. I mean, suicide rates are, I think, the highest they've ever been in 25 years or something. Um, so, you know, I, I think while the movie is a piece of entertainment, the underlying 
motivation behind it is for me to show as best I can mental illness in a realistic way, at least the realistic way that I experienced it and continue to experience it in, in my life. And in an effort to get people to just be more open to talk about it and have movies uh, represent mental illness in a more authentic way, which I don't think they, you know, lar- largely, largely they haven't no, they, done that. No, they don't. Every, every married couple, you know, the man always finds out the woman is crazy and she's got bipolar yeah. disorder. You know, that's, that's everybody's go-to excuse right now for how yeah. somebody is acting irrationally. It's all their bipolar which is really aggravating to me. <laughs> it's so so narrow. I mean, it's beyond narrow-minded. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's it's people kind of because because you know, mental illness and and suicide is still so taboo and people don't want to talk about it. it. When they see it in movies, they see like shorthand. Like, okay, well, this is here's the quote-unquote crazy person who won't, you know, who is just off the wall, or it's the other person who's so introspective they don't even say a word the whole time. There are no, there are no shades of gray in between. So we've been conditioned as a culture to think that those are the representations of, of mental illness, whatever those mental illnesses are, um, and it perpetuates these stereotypes, um, but, you know, which is problematic. Uh, because it gives the people it gives people an out, like oh, I don't have to talk about it. I know what that is. I don't need to investigate it more. I kind of know it, uh, but they don't, right? If 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 people actually were more proactive in terms of like, okay, well, what this this person has an issue, let me dive deeper. What what is actually going on? Because uh, as you know, I mean, there's a uh, I mean, there are a variety of different mental illnesses with a variety oh, yeah. of different spectrums of of symptoms and and conditions but people we just don't take the time to to really investigate and you know help people the way we should unfortunately the general population has taken that and kind of run with it like they don't have to care about anything and it's kind of again frustrating (laughs) especially yeah go ahead no, I mean you're right. Like for instance, just a quick example. Um, you know, very a small amount of people really know, truly know what borderline personality disorder is. Uh, but mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people who I would talk to, people who I know and respect who are smart, they would constantly, you know, we'd be talking about borderline, then they say uh, bipolar disorder. It's like, no, it's not bipolar disorder. I know it's DPD, the same letters, but totally different. Or they they misrepresent it by saying oh it's it's split personality multi personality disorder like yeah it I was just even, say that. it can be any more different mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's yeah, a yeah. total lack of of clarity uh, because people just don't want it to be clear they just you know they want to avoid the subject as much as possible it's easier just to remember the, the bad stuff I guess yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and, and you know my sister was borderline. A lot of borderline people are extremely creative and are wonderful artists. Um, and she was a wonderful artist. Not only she was, you know, she she was a musician and did her rap thing. She was also a wonderful painter. Um, and uh, you know, she never she never really got uh, acknowledgement for that. Um, and that's that's sad because she she wasn't really she knew she was good, but because of her illness, she was. It, she was always stymied by it. Like she was convinced yeah. that it was terrible, and she, no one, no one would like this stuff. So I'm not, I'm not gonna pursue it. 
any further, you know? Yeah, I, I get that completely. I'm I'm both borderline and bipolar, ah. which I I had to look into because there were so many people that <clears throat> approached me and said, "Oh, you can't be both. You can't be both." Yeah. And I went to, I went to my doctor and I said, "Look, these people are telling me that there is no such thing as someone having both." And she's like, "There absolutely is, and that's one. It's you. You're one of yeah. those people." So yeah, <clears throat> sure. It's, yeah, uh, it's very difficult. You know, I, I I don't doubt it. I mean, you know, obviously I saw firsthand how um, borderline affected my sister's life, and it's you know, I mean, it's often hard to explain. But the way that I I sort of see it um, is, you know, I mean, you can be if you're borderline. I mean, uh, you want you want relationships. You want. Um, uh, you want to be able to interact and be social and you're actually, you, you, you can do that easily. I mean, it comes easily to you, but once you, once you attain what you want relationships and um, the love that you've been seeking immediately, I mean, in my sister's case, she would flip it and say, okay, well now why do they, they can't like me. I, I, why would they like me? They have to, you know, she would get all, she would get very paranoid uh, mm-hmm. as to what their motivations were to being, for being friends with her. <clears throat> and because of that, she would, basically hurt them, push them away and just like I can't you know what do you you don't I don't deserve friends like this is this is crazy you're making my life worse so it was just like an endless cycle of attracting uh, people having relationships and then pushing them away and you know having a family member who's borderline is, is very difficult especially if you don't understand it at first because you know family's pushed away too but your family so you don't go away <laughs> right yeah it's a cycle of um, pain sometimes, right? It was not treated properly. Yeah. <clears throat> For sure. Um, how, out of curiosity, how old was she when she passed? She was 30 years old. Um, oh, okay. and she, was, she had been treated for mental illness since she was about 11, I think. Uh, oh. And I, she was, and this was at the, in the early 90s when it was really it was the beginning of the surge of new drugs like, you know, Prozac and Zoloft and all that stuff. Um, and she got addicted to drugs really quickly. And, you know, I, I think people have started to, or doctors have kind of started to realize that giving those types of really strong, powerful um, drugs to children like under the age of like 16 or 17 while their brains are still developing is, Mm-hmm. Uh, can really lead to a lot more problems than than right. uh, fixing them, um, and, and I'm convinced that um, that led to her hopeless addiction to to, to drugs. Because as you know, I mean, borderline. I mean, it's it's primarily treated through talk therapy and DBT. DBT, you know, it's right. uh, drugs are are can complicate it a great deal. Yeah, actually. Um, have bought a couple of workshops and a, a, I bought a course online. I'm going to learn DBT and CBT on my own because mm-hmm. I tried it in a in a group setting and I was not comfortable at all. Yeah. yeah. So I figure, what the heck? And there's people online Great. that have gone through it that I could, you know, ask them, hey, you know, what 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 do you what do I do for this? I don't get this, and I'm sure that they would help. So. Oh, so, yeah. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it helped my sister to an extent, but it's uh, it is it takes a lot of, 
you know, you got you to gotta be proactive. It's a lot of work. It really is a lot of work, but I, I've seen po- a lot of positive results. That's good to hear. We don't always yeah. hear the most positive results for folks on here, so no, it's I good bet. to know. <laughs> yeah. Now, like you said, I mean, people may, you know, unfortunately, society is in, in such a place where the idea of mental illness or people with mental illness is mostly um, – seen in a, in a negative light, and that's unfortunate. So speaking of, of mental illness in your family, do you think that it's something hereditary? Have previous generations have it? You know, that's a really good question. I mean, I've heard that borderline personality can be genetic. Um, I, I, I have to feel like my father was suffering with something, um, but he never got, I mean, that generation never got it checked out. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of very high, lots of high highs, low lows, instability. Brilliant man, but yeah, lots of lots of instability. Um, and I know that his mother had similar issues, uh, but he also lost track of, of his family after uh, or beyond, I think, his great-grandmother. So I... If I had to guess, I think there's there's probably something hereditary on on that line, um, but it's all it's all uh, guessing. But look, it's you know, mental illness is, uh, doesn't just magically happen to you. I mean, it, it's a physical malady. I mean, people seem mm-hmm. to forget that the brain is part of the physical body. So yes, I mean, if if it's a physical issue, there's a very good possibility that it is it could be passed down. So I'm not I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't discount that that. Possibility. Okay. Well, I'm being informed that we need to take a quick break. So if you just hang out there, Uh, this is Matt Stern with Your Magic. You are the best thing. You hold my heart inside your hands. Your magic. You make me crazy. Your touch makes me lose my head. It's tragic.
touch it makes me lose my head. It's tragic. Magic. Everybody, welcome back to Voices for Change 2.0. We are really glad to have you with us, or I should say, I am really glad to have you with us. <laughs> <laughs> no, with me. Geez, I'm just on a roll today, aren't I? Anywho, husband had to go out for a little bit, so I'm taking over the show. If he gets up, we'll all get up. It'll be anarchy. So <laughs> it's a breakfast club line. So, okay, so where do I begin with you here? Um, I did have a kind of a, I don't know if you consider it sort of a strange question, but it's something that I've always been curious about. When you started sure. making, when you started making the film, was yeah. it top, how much time did it take top to bottom? Like how many months or what have you? Yeah, well, it's, um, you know, so this is this is an independent film. Uh, so there was no studio involved with the with the production of it, which means I basically had to raise the money myself. So you have the the raising money part. It started out as a crowdfunding campaign, and I never wanted to do a crowdfunding campaign because it's just oh, it, it's it's kind of akin to I mean they're, it's great, but it's kind of akin to begging for money in a, right. in a way, and I, I hate to do that. Um, but I felt like if I was going to do it for anything, this project would be it because because it's it's essentially. Um, a memorial to my sister, right? Crystallizing her mm-hmm. on screen. And also it gives, it gives me an opportunity through the film and through my campaigning to, to talk more about mental illness and to just help, help in the, in the uh, fight to end, end the stigma, to participate in that. And it was, it was great. I mean, we raised a decent amount of money um, online and it was enough money to attract, to attract outside investors uh, we raised our budget. I mean, it was a small budget, relatively speaking, but enough to make the movie. Once we once we raised the money, that took about a year doing that. Um, mm-hmm. And then we started shooting in 2016. With um, it actually started very quickly. We had about three months of pre-production. Started in October, uh, ended in November. It was a 21-day shoot with uh, weekends off, and uh, so it's very compressed. And that's not a lot of time at all to shoot shoot a movie like this. It has a lot of locations, a lot of actors. Uh, mm-hmm. Then once that was done, it took me about a year to edit the film, which is very long. That's extraordinarily long. But since yeah, that since I basically really tedious. Yeah, like for instance, on a director for hire movie that I was on before this, I only got six to eight weeks because you know there's a production company they have, and this is for a movie I made for the Lifetime Movie Network, and they also had an air date. So, you know, it had to be done at a certain time. But since I basically controlled this movie from top to bottom, I could I could take as long as I wanted. I felt like for this film, because it's a dual point of view between Thomas and Bridget, there's a editing, there's a, there's a balancing act to play in the editing process. And we also had several test screenings where we, we showed the film to a theater people. They would give us feedback, and then we would take that feedback and recut it. Uh, and it was a long process, but it was, it was definitely worth worth doing that. So after that year was over, we did color correction and, and sound design. That was about three or four months. And then we did the festival route. We submitted the films to festivals, 
that was another year. And in the middle of that year, we sought distribution. We were able to get distribution through uh, Gravitas Ventures, who's a, they're a great distributor. Uh, they have the largest reach in North um, in North America uh, as far as di- digital platforms go. Uh, and then we were eventually released on April um, this past April second. So it's the April second, two thousand nineteen, uh, and actually it was around April or March of two thousand fifteen. So it's a good four year process. Yeah, wow. I I, that, I admire that because I I honestly don't know if I could have kept that up for all that time. <laughs> you know, it's it's difficult. I mean, if this if this movie wasn't as personal as it was to me, it would be much more difficult to maintain that level right. of uh, dedication and enthusiasm because it really, you know, it, it it's a twenty four seven job um, mm-hmm. and it's very stressful because you have a lot of money. It's being spent, other people's money, it's being spent in a fairly rapid-fire way. I mean, every shoot day, I can't even tell you how many thousands of dollars it is, like, per day. I mean, and so, and you have, you have to get these shots, and anything could happen. An actor might be having a bad day, or the light's not right, or something breaks, someone doesn't show up. And there's always something that goes wrong, but you have to be prepared to improvise and do as best as you can. And it's kind of a pressure cooker environment, in a way. Hmm. Yeah, I've always been been fascinated by the backstage goings on at at films. I <clears throat> I just I just when I see a movie like that, I'm always like really really paying attention to all the different aspects and you know who does what and you know who who's helping the actor on stage or what have you. So um, yeah, that has been kind of a lot of fun knowing that you had this whole group of people together to work on your movie. Yeah. It, it, oh yeah, that's you know what it's it's the making of is really the best part because you, it, you all become like a family on set, right? Because right? it's very it's not like an ordinary job. It's not a nine to five job. It's like your day is twelve hours, but it's there's hours before and hours after. You're all, you're dreaming the movie. You're living the movie. Um, <laughs> you know you're you're trying to elicit emotion on screen. So it's like it is very it is it's not all business. It's part, there's a lot of there's a personal aspect of the of the job. Uh, and everybody becomes very close, um, and I became very close with the with the with the actors, particularly the younger actors, who are um, you know channeling my sister and channeling mm-hmm. me and my friends. Uh, it, it was really interesting because, you know, they were. I kind of had a firsthand glimpse into reliving my past, which is very bizarre in many ways, and yeah. also quite cool. <laughs> <laughs> So what what advice would you give to family members that have gone through this or, you know, someone that has threatened that they might take their own life or just sort of broad stroke it? What do you think is the best thing that they can do? Wow. I mean, it's – I mean, there's no, you know, tried and true right thing to do. But right. I think the best thing to be done – I mean, I want to say preempted in a way where you grow up in a household where you make sure to tell your your children, right? I just I just had a baby who's 18 months right now, mm-hmm. um, so I'll be obviously you know uh, supervising his his growth and uh, any potential <laughs> physical or mental uh, conditions he might be um, he, he might be going through. 
these urges or you're feeling depressed or anything that you have a hard time expressing or you might feel ashamed for some odd reason, that should give you, that should be the reason to talk about it. And before, before it gets to a place where everything is just built up and built up and built up inside, you can't, can't take it anymore. Um, obviously it's not a, it's not a cure all talking about it, but it really does limit the effect to a certain, to a certain extent. Because if you feel like you have other people around you who understand, that helps. There's no doubt about it. That helps. Mm-hmm. Um, for someone who is, uh, you know, let's say that didn't happen. If someone comes out and says I'm, I'm suicidal, well, first of all, they have to say that, right? If they don't, maybe it's maybe it's a suicide attempt. For instance, like my sister tried to commit suicide several times before she actually died, and these times, man, she she did a she would always really do a good job unfortunately i mean she just put herself in a coma twice i mean the one time uh, the doctor said uh it, it, he couldn't believe that her heart held up she was within five minutes of, of dying and i remember i was i was there one time when she woke up out of her coma and i was like beside myself and you know i was younger and more naive to the subject of mental illness i was like why why you keep doing this like this like wh- wh- why why are you doing this and she just said you know, in her most soberest of moments, because all the drugs had passed through her system, she said, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to live anymore. Mm-hmm. So part of that is the wor- the perception of the world around you. And if there's any way you, you can help someone's perception of the world be a little bit brighter, a little bit more comfortable, or just be there for support. Like, hey, if you want to see someone, I can I can go with you. Uh, let's do the research together. Any Anytime you're feeling anything, any time of night, call me. You know, it's it's that it's that you know hand to hand, person to person support that I think is is crucial. Yeah, definitely. And there's also a a service out there on on Twitter. Just a little side note, they are at MH Crisis Angels. Um, okay. They will. They have several angels on their their team, and they will let you direct message them through Facebook and they'll say, Hey, do you want to take it into a, a private room? And they will. And um, then they have a big Great. long discussion about it. And yeah. So um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's um, mental health crisis angels is what it is. And um, I just sort of joined forces with them a little bit to um, work my way up to possibly being one of the people that takes calls. But right now oh, I'm just I- kind of, Right now, right now I'm just kind of in the background helping with tweeting and stuff like that. That's right. No, actually, but, I'm looking at it right now. We uh, um, we're following each other on Twitter. I realize. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. uh, it's 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 critical, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, just the idea of like, suicide is the. Uh, among the top 10 leading causes of death in America, every, the statistics are every 15 minutes, someone commits suicide. I mean, that, that is of epidemic proportions. So why, why as a society are we still worried about talking about it? Why can't we talk about it as though we're talking about cancer, right? Or uh, a broken bone. There should be no stigma attached to it. Right. Uh, It's, it's really sad, but I, we're, I think we're moving in the right direction, but it's, it's still going much, much slower than I would like it to go. Yeah, I definitely feel you there. I I had, when I first signed up 
to, well, I had been on Twitter previously. I stopped for a while because I didn't get it. I did not understand yeah. hashtags. I had no idea what these people were talking about. So somebody <laughs> somebody explained it to me a little bit, so I started up an account on there. I think that might have been 2014, if I'm not mistaken. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, bef- before I, I came on there, I felt really, really alone. And once I started talking to people and, you know, it, it might be hard. Like, first of all, anybody that's listening who doesn't know how to do that, just listen for a little while. Just listen real closely to what the person has to say. And yeah. you never know. Tomorrow you might be able to find them online again and he'll have an informed decision, <laughs> you know, to have yeah. a discussion with this person and who knows where it can go. Yeah. So it, it's yeah. it's very important. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, there's the Internet has, has both its uh, great sides and, and terrible sides, right? But mm-hmm. I think one of its great sides is, is the ability to, you know, find yourself out there. Like, the thing is, it, when we feel so alone, we have those moments, right? We don't right. – we, we convince ourselves that no one else has – no one else is like – no one else is feeling this. This is – only me, but there are mm-hmm. other people that have been and are in that situation. And if you commun- if you communicate or are able to communicate with people who are going through what you're going through, that there power there's power in numbers, right? That helps, right? right? Just knowing that other people are experiencing <clears throat> what you're experiencing, and that and that if they can get through it, you can, you know. And I think the communicating through social media in that regard is it, it, it can be it can be fantastic and a real lifesaver. Yeah, I, I agree. You have to be careful of some of them, but for the you most do. part, in my experience, um, the first time I got on there to talk about stuff, I had some trolls and things. One yeah. guy, when I had my, I made the mistake of having my birth date on there, and one guy called me an old lady. Look, at oh, that God. time, I was I was 42 years old. <laughs> I hardly consider myself an old lady. Yeah. So, you know, oh, and I've been called a narcissist too. That's always fun. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, it's so easy to complain online and yeah, it's, uh, you know, and have them. Well, yeah, exactly. I've been going through similar things with the movie. I, any, any, if you ever, if, when you put yourself out there, whether it's, you know, through, advocacy like you're like you're doing um uh or you know me putting out a film or a book there's if there are going to be much more there are going to be many more people who are complaining about things because they just want to take you down as opposed to just saying positive things usually the positive people are they don't have time for that or they're enjoying other things it's just yeah it's it's a strange it's a strange phenomenon um, unfortunately, but it's uh, yeah, just, we just have to learn to ig- ignore those types of people. They're basically looking for attention. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. If you're not dedicating all of your attention to them, then you're a yeah. horrible person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So um, tell us what but, what is uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no no go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, what is next for you? Wow, that's a really good question. I mean, I've been so um, uh, just immersed in in the film, and I also there's uh, the soundtrack to the movie came out uh, on vinyl, which is which is super cool. Um, mm-hmm. And 
And the book that, you know, it was based on, there's going to be uh, the revised version of it coming out uh, next week, actually. So I've been promoting like mad. I haven't really had much time to think about what's next. I do have several screenplays I would love to make into, into a film. Uh, I do have some producers interested in one of my projects currently. So I'm, I'm pursuing that when I'm, you know, not, uh, not marketing this, but in the world of independent film, you really, you know, we don't have a big studio behind it. So, right. so much of the word of mouth and the promotion is, is coming from the filmmakers them, themselves. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, that, you know, itself is a full-time uh, job, which is, which is fine, you know, and, and there are several windows of, uh, of release. Like, so it was released on uh, TVOD, which is transactional VOD, like, you know, you could rent or buy on iTunes or Amazon, Etc. cetera, uh, Google Play, uh, or your cable provider. Um, and then it, be, then it was out on DVD and Blu-ray. And then 60 to 90 days after the first window, it goes to streaming. So like if you have Amazon Prime or Hulu and whatnot, it'll be on the streaming service. And that when that happens, that'll be another promotional push. So it's just kind of a strategic, um, you know, grassroots effort to get the, to get the word out. And as you know, I mean, it just, it, that's in and of itself, it's a full-time job. Right, exactly. I can't argue with you there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we are just about getting down to the wire here. Um, Do you you want to talk about your social media and how people can find you? Absolutely. Well, um, (laughs) my uh, my handle is uh, WD Filmmaker, and you can find me on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, you could also follow the movie. Uh, it's called No Alternative and uh, at No Alt Film, N-O-A-L-T-S-I-L-M. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and, uh, and Facebook. And you can watch the movie on iTunes or Amazon. You can rent or buy it uh, today. Uh, the soundtrack is on vinyl. It's available at your local record store. Uh, and the, the book, No Alternative, the novel with the new foreword, by Harry Hamlin comes out next uh, Tuesday uh, exclusively on Amazon. I am very interested in the new new copy of the book. I actually oh, had to great. do that with mine. I had to do that with oh, mine. Yeah. It came out one way with this quote-unquote publisher who yes. turns out he totally screwed me. Oh, and we had, to, we had to turn around and do it all ourselves and, and sell it, you know, through yeah. Amazon that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, I mean, I've uh, again, it's like the the internet, and social media has they've provided a way, they've given voice to a lot of independent artists in, in, in a way that is unprecedented, and it's fantastic, mm-hmm. right? People people are able to get their voices <clears throat> out there in ways that they've never been able to before. Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely see. Um, more openness with just everything. I feel like people are more compassionate and this is just my experience, you know, and I always name Twitter as one of of the things, but it's funny. There could be someone that's really, really struggling. And then they come upon your post that says you're really struggling. And that person might say, Hey, are you okay? Even though they're going, going through something, you know? So, I think it's very important that we all, <clears throat> excuse me, keep that up and continue to help people. So absolutely. Um, 
you know, and, and as much as I can do, I'm trying to be as open as possible with my experience and with my family, with myself, and you know, because again, more the more people are open to talking about mental illness or mental illness related um, uh, issues, the easier it will be for everybody else to talk about it. And hopefully it'll become, I want to get to that point where people can actually say, Hey, you know, I'm calling into work today because um, I, 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 I'm suffering from my depression. It's pretty bad today. It, they, mm-hmm. they should be able to say that in such a way as though they're talking about the flu, right? I have right. the flu today, but there's, it's, we're still pretty far from, from that being equal, but yeah. it, it, there's That's no reason why it, it, it should be equal. Mm-hmm. You know, I totally agree with you, but um, we are at the end of our time now. So I just want to say thank thank you so much for joining. Well, me. Yes. Yes, I hear my husband a little bit, but. Yeah, well, thank you so much for for having me on. And I really, I really appreciate what you guys do. So keep on, you know, keep on trucking. Well, thank you. And if anything comes down the pike for you that you want to talk about, just give me a message and we'll try to get you on. Sounds fantastic. Okay. Thanks so much. Have a good rest of your weekend. Thanks, Rebecca. Take care. Bye-bye. Welcome to Astro Kiki Radio. We are the e-news of astrology. Today, we'll be diving into the cosmic guidance from the stars, celebrities, and entertainment lifestyle. 
Thanks for joining us, and let's see what the universe has in store. Hello, all of our iridescent stars. Welcome to Astro Kiki Radio. We have a packed show ahead with pop culture, celebrities, and astrological forecasts. My name is Kyle Thomas. I am a pop culture astrologer, and my co-host and I are super excited to have our celebrity guest with us today. Yes. Hey, guys. I am Sam Davidson, pop culture expert, entertainment news journalist, um, celebrity gossip junkie, and TV lover. And so that's why I'm so excited to have Luke Baines in the house, a.k.a. Shadowhunters Jonathan. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm so good. And you know, like, I have been a Shadowhunters fanatic Mm -hmm. for a really long time. For those of you that don't know, Shadowhunters had three beautiful long seasons on Freeform. And you came in as Jonathan actually in the flesh because we've seen Jonathan jump from from body to body. Mm-hmm. You are the villain and or you were sadly. Yeah. And there was a whole Save Shadowhunters campaign. If you guys haven't heard of this show, I mean literally the People's Choice Awards, Teen Choice Awards, mm-hmm. MTV, like everything. This is the craziest fandom and you know, I actually just saw an article that uh we were the fourth most talked about show on social media for the first quarter of twenty nineteen. Oh, yeah. and I So it's like Game of Thrones, uh, something else, and us, which is insane. That's so cool, though. Yeah, the fans are just so wonderful, like specifically to this fandom. They're so engaged and they're so uh, passionate. It's, it's, it's really amazing. Yeah, and the thing about this show that's so cool that people really connected to is that it represents inclusion of mm-hmm. all sorts. You know, mm-hmm. in the real world here, it means different things, but on Shadowhunters, that means whether you're a warlock, werewolf, shadowhunter, demon, mm-hmm. vampire, mm. like all these people get together and they create this beautiful squad to save the world uh, mm. that, you know, your character was trying to destroy for so long. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. he was he was uh, a tortured soul. He was a troubled boy. <laughs> troubled, <laughs> troubled boy. And so you also were in Wes Craven's uh, The Last Film that he was a part of. And tell me the name of that one again. Yeah, it's called The Girl in the Photograph, which is available on Netflix. Yes, and you were another serial killer. I was, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah. We just think it's your beautiful striking face. Mm, you say beautiful striking, I say creepy, but you know, potato, potato. <laughs> And so now this has come to an end. You are actually a Gemini. I am. Which we're going to get into with your going over your chart because I feel like it falls very in line with the Shadowhunter stuff, but also you as a whole. There's so much going on here, and you're definitely at the beginning of a very exciting career, mm. I think. So I'm thrilled to talk about that. And we are, of course, going to talk about our top three stories of the week, also our WTF WTF celebrity moment. Mm. And before we get into that, though, Kyle is going to go into our weekly astrological forecast. We have an exciting week ahead. I am very, very stoked for all of these, you know, magical things that are coming for us. Astrology isn't magic. You know, sometimes I may use words like that, but it actually is it's the patterns of our lives that we can actually map by looking at the stars and, and how they affect us. So, for instance, we have a full moon in Scorpio on May 18th. The energy of this full moon is going to be starting a couple days before and last for a couple days after. So, you know, the big culminations that will be taking place will definitely be a big pinnacle moment for us at this point in time. This specific full moon, as it falls in Scorpio, 
is aligned to the new moon in Scorpio that took place on November 7th of 2018. So if you look back into your life about what you were doing, the relationships that you were experiencing, the things that were happening in you know the, the 10 days that followed November 7th, you're actually going to see a culmination now. So, I mean, look I am. I'm trying to figure it out. November 7th, 2018. Okay. I mean, that was ages ago. Right. <laughs> so far away. Right. Well, you I know, remember what I did last week, let alone November. <laughs> well, I, and that's one of the things that I think is really cool about, you know, astrology is that you can actually map it and see how things are connected. So with this specific full moon, it is going to be in emphasizing Scorpio energy. So Scorpio is very sexual, it's very passionate, it's very deep and, you know, highly emotional. And this energy is going to be experiencing uh, a culmination for all of us in our lives at this point in time. So we are going to be feeling very sexual this weekend, very, you know, intensely uh, desiring uh, to merge with someone, you know, romantically, you know, in business, you know, whatever that way of how we can actually, you know, be a part of a completion also, one thing I want to highlight with this full moon is that Venus, our planet of love and beauty, is going to be in the exact same place in the sky with Uranus, which is, you know, creates uh, shock transformations, you know, chaos at some points in time, but surprises as well. So all of us are likely to experience a shock surprising event in, in either, you know, love, art, beauty, or money around this weekend. So, you know, really, you know, kind of keep your, your antenna up for how that's going to be affecting you. Um, so, yeah, so I think, you know, that's definitely a big thing to, to pay attention to. Also, you know, next week, oh, actually, going back to this. So for you, Luke, specifically, because of the, the map in the sky, it is going to fall in a culmination for you in relation to work, employment, or health or fitness. Mm. So if you look back to the patterns and things that were happening back in no, no, November, mm. you're likely to see these things, these kind of reaching uh, a big moment, you know, where you're you're having to focus on these things. So, so f- for instance, with it being a full moon, you know, it represents a culmination, like I was saying, but also it can represent an ending. Mm. So it could have to do with you are, you know, shifting the way that you're doing, you know, a diet or fitness program, mm. or you want to find someone that is going to be helping you to have a better, you know, fitness uh, training, you know, mm. capability. Mm. Also, with, you know, work or employment, you may either see an ending happening or mm. you may get an offer at this time mm. as well. Mm. Cool. So, so, yeah, so there's that. Um, also for Sam, so for you with being a Libra, this is going to have to do with money and worth and self-worth at this point in time. Mm. So. And I just have to say, this is Kyle's birthday weekend. Yeah. So, um, who Happy are you? birthday. Yeah. So you're a Taurus. I am a Taurus. What, uh, what date? May 18th. May 18th. Yes. yes. Wonderful. And so one thing, you know, actually just kind of using that as a segue. So you can actually chart your entire year ahead by looking at what was happening on, on your birthday exactly. So let's say your birthday starts on a new, or falls near a new moon. Mm. You're going to have new relationships, you know, new uh, career endeavors, new, new opportunities that are happening for mm. that year, starting on that birthday for one year following it. Interesting. If your birthday falls on a full moon, it means that big things that you have been hoping for, working for, building toward, are all going to, cu- to culminate and come true in that coming year. Interesting. So you're going to be, you know, having much more power, much more, you know, significant success. Uh, you, like, for instance, with me, like I have 
unfortunately not made you know a big priority for romance even though I'm a, a big romantic like that is going to be something that I've been building towards it is going to be something that comes to me in the coming year you know also I'm going to be seeing more you know career advancements and anybody no matter what you know part of the year your birthday falls if it falls near a full moon this same kind of energy is going to affect you as well Interesting. so that literally 365 days later when I turn 33 because I'm turning 32 mm. I will be actually starting a whole new whole new chapter in my life cool. Uh, so I will have like new new plans, new relationships, things like that. So it's just interesting to kind of mm. always see how that that moves forward. Question. So yes. I'm very superstitious, mm. and uh, I'm the kind of person that builds something up a lot, and then it doesn't end up working out very well. My birthdays are one of them. Mm-hmm. I had a great birthday the past couple of years, but before that, I mean, so are you saying that if my birthday, I kind of cry all night, have bad energy, that, that's the way my year is going to be? Technically, we, we look at the exact solar return. So for me, you know, I'm going to look at what was going on specifically that morning, that night. So I can kind of see a, a, a snapshot of the things that are going to be coming to me. So I am specifically planning certain things that I want to happen. So like, I'm going to make sure that I work out and go on a hike. Because those I want to, I want to integrate that in my year. Mm. I have a friend that wants to take me out for dinner, so that's going to be showing, you know, friendship right. and you know, good food and, and drink and things like that. I specifically don't want to feel ill or you know, hungover in the coming year. So that's why when you were like, "What are we doing for your birthday?" I don't want to go out until the day after because I want to use all of that energy of on May 18th for prosperity mm. and happiness and health and love and. All of the all of the things that are the most important to me, I don't want to bring in, you know, feeling drained. Mm. So that's why I won't even let that day touch that. It's interesting though, because I um, I just read this really interesting article about um, basically how when you it's like it was a, a psychological article about when you suppress what you're feeling, that it kind of can make it worse. Oh yeah. So I feel like even if you know, let's say you are crying on your birthday. Maybe it happens for a reason. You know, you're letting that out. You're closing yeah. a door. You're opening a new door for the rest of the year. The reason I say this is because I also get really superstitious. My superstition is around New Year's Eve. Oh, me too. Me and Kyle kissed, though, so I'm good this year. Oh, <laughs> congratulations. Um, no, because they say, you know, however you spend the New Year, however you spend New Year's Eve is how you're going to spend the rest of the year, and that freaks me out. So this year, which is actually funny because I was looking through my Instagram to figure out what I was doing on November 7th last year, uh, all of November and December, I was in like a crazy fitness, um, like I was I was going nuts trying to get back into shape because I had dislocated my shoulder on Shadowhunters and had a bunch of different injuries. And so it was the first time I was like back in the gym and I was so excited about it. So New Year's Eve, I decided to not do anything. I was going to have an early night because I was like, I'm going to spend the rest, like 2019 on form. What ended up happening was at the gym on New Year's Eve, I pulled my back, couldn't walk, so I spent New Year's Eve on my couch drinking whiskey because I couldn't do anything else. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes when you build things up, they don't quite pan out how you want them to. Well, one thing that, you know, just you were saying is, you know, looking back to the energy of November, mm. it had to deal with, with health. Yeah. And um, that's the energy that's going to be echoing now. Mm. So, you know, now that, you know, we can we can see that, make sure that you, if you are working out this weekend, 
you don't push yourself too hard because you could pull your you could pull no. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's highlighted for you for there. Right. You know, when it comes to me, you know, as being a Taurus, you know, Scorpio is the full moon that's six signs away. I am going to be having a big focus on partnership, whether that be in love or business. Well. Mm. I am currently single. Mm. I, you know, am definitely open to finding a, a, a kindred spirit, mm. and that kind of energy will manifest mm. for me if I go out and find that. Mm. Also, you know, it can mean that if I've had someone in my mind for a long time that I've been committing to in my head, mm. I can release that and let that go. Nice. Hallelujah. God, I know. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but I'm really grateful for that, Kyle. Um, okay, well, Nat, is there anything else we have going on astrologically we want to chat about? Yeah, just real quickly. So the sun is going to enter Gemini, which is your sign, on the 21st. So naturally, you know, we're going to be feeling, you know, more social, more intellectual, and we're going to have a lot of curiosity. You know, things really speed up. It's, we're moving into summer. You know, we're feeling a lot of this excitement going on. So, you know, we're going to be having a lot of um, stimulation that's taking place. And, you know, just in general. So, you know, allow yourself to, to have fun. Allow yourself to reconnect, to communicate. Focus on how you communicate to the world, you know, whether that be through writing or speaking and, and how your message in your life is getting across to other people and if you are feeling valued within that. Mm, I um, love it. Amazing. Well, next, you guys, we have my personal favorite segment, which is, of course, our pop culture celebrity segment. We're going to be getting into all of that in a second. Three great stories, a great WTF celeb, so stay tuned. Hey guys, we are back with our pop culture segment of the show, and the first story we are going to be talking about, um, man, this one really, I find extremely interesting. So Constance Wu, who is one of the stars of Fresh Off the, Off the Boat on ABC, but most importantly, she is um, the star of Crazy Rich Asians, and there's going to be three of them. So mm-hmm. we had the first one, which did exceptionally well. I mean, people thought it was the best movie of the year as far as entertainment value, all of that. And I've never interviewed Constance on the red carpet, but everything I've seen and you see of her, like, wow, what a nice, cool woman she is. And very inspirational. I'm not saying she's not, but some of her actions uh, over the past week, few days have been less than stellar so the other day I forget what they call it when the networks renew and cancel their shows it's like a slaughterhouse though and it's funny last year I don't think as many shows got canceled Mm. that quickly this year and it was just like this show's canceled this show's canceled and so Constance Wu was hoping that Fresh Off the Boat was going to be canceled and they have already had five seasons Mm -hmm. And it was actually renewed. And mm. so she was getting all these tweets and people were saying, you know, congrats on the renewal. And instead of being gracious and maybe just staying off Twitter, if mm. she wasn't thrilled about it, she, um, and just for the sake of if we get picked up by someone, I'm not going to say the F word. She said it a lot. So I'm just going to say F or effing, but you know what I mean, especially if you go to Constance's Twitter. So she said she's so upset right now. I'm literally crying. Ugh. F, and then she wrote another tweet, effing hell. And then someone tweeted her, congrats, and on the renewal, great news, and she responded, no, it's not. And so for working actors, I mean, I'm sure, Luke, you can kind of, you are probably cringing mm-hmm. a lot of other actors. I mean, my God, success and having a show mm. is 
such an amazing thing that not a lot of people get to do for this long. What were you feeling doing yeah, this? I mean, I did. I saw it um, unfold on Twitter. It's really hard because, you know, I, I don't know what it would be like to be in that position. Um, I, I have not seen the show, so I, I can't even comment on that. But five seasons of anything is a lot. And I think we all know as TV viewers, after three or four seasons, the storyline starts to slip. I, again, have not seen the show, don't know what it's like. I don't know what's going through her head, and, and, and you know, I, like, I feel like she did release a statement, right, a follow-up, saying she that... She did. Saying that... Um, she had another um, opportunity, basically, that it was, if Fresh Off the Boat got cancelled, which I'm assuming her reps told her it was likely right, going right. to happen, that this other role was going to come up for her, mm-hmm. and it was more challenging, and it, it was likely darker, and it's something that she really wanted to sink right. her teeth into, so she kind of released two apologies. Yeah. One wasn't really an apology, and it was denying what she was talking about fresh off the boat, but it was really obvious that she just said it was ill-timed. But the other, the second apology was, I think, clearly crafted by Mm. her representatives, Mm. her PR people that said she loves this show, she's extremely grateful, she just was looking forward to another opportunity, and she meant no harm. I mean, for a second, I thought, is there something bad going on on fresh off the boat, that she felt she was not being valued or if there was any kind of harassment. Like, that's where my mm. mind went, so I didn't want to judge her mm. at first. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Kyle um, looked into her chart, and she's an Aries, so can you tell us a little bit about what's going on with her? Yeah, absolutely. You know, with her being at the an Aries, you know, she is very, very fiery. You know, she can be impulsive. Um, you know, but she she likes to challenge. She she wants to you know tackle new things. She has this excitement energy that, you know, she wants to, you know, conquer a new quest. You know, whether that be a relationship or you know a, a project, career endeavor, any of that. Um, so actually, though, looking at the specific day of May tenth, two thousand and nineteen, this is when she had her rant. So I was looking at this specific day, and. So Venus, ruling art, was clashing with Pluto, which rules authority, conflicts, change, and, and like I said, authority troubles. All of that was clashing specifically in her, uh, her chart. And so all of these deep-rooted issues were coming to the surface, and so she just couldn't not let them be exposed. So there is probably some sort of difficulty that, you know, a push-pull between maybe how she wants her character to go, how she kind of wants things to go, you know, in the project... That, which is why she's like, I just, I'd rather it be done. Mm. I'd rather die, because Pluto also rules death. Right. So you know that kind of energy was definitely being exposed for her. Also with uh, Saturn, where it is right now, was is clashing with where Saturn was at the exact time of her birth. So she was having this crisis moment about how she's, and she, this is actually going to continue. Uh, until uh, the mid mid January of 2020, she's going through this transformation. In order to reach all of her ultimate life goals, she has to actually have, you know, some of them feel like she has to fight harder to get them. So, you know, this she's also feeling like things are being thrust upon her. She has to carry extra weight that she doesn't want to in order to get where she wants mm. to ultimately be. This energy in Clash is actually going to be highlighted most significantly on May 18th for her by looking at her chart. She's going to have a huge either moment where she's going to actually feel extremely oppressed uh, or she's going to want to try to break free completely Mm. with that. So, yeah. Um, But also looking at her, you know, she is having eclipses in her career, which is meaning that she's really trying very hard, you know, 
especially since the beginning of the year, to reach higher, mm. to, to make a bigger impact, to, to, to go to a much you know, more triumphant level. You know, but even though we see things like this happen, you know, I actually have no fear for her career whatsoever because starting in, in December, she's actually going to be blessed in her career for the mm. entire year. So, you know, yeah, this mishap, you know, conflicts and, and problems come up in our lives and, and ultimately to make us redirect in, into where we mm. were meant to be or to have a more fulfilling life. So, you know, I, I don't really think that this is going to be affecting her too traumatically, though. I mean, I, I am interested to see in what happens in Fresh Off the Boat because mm. it is rumored to be the final season, which especially after this uh, would not surprise me in the slightest. Um, and executives do not like the TV executives do not like it when their actors say crap like this. It, they, it really pisses them off, and it sometimes causes actors to be written off of shows in horrendous ways. Yeah. I look, I just, I think, um, like I said, I don't know what, uh, like, I haven't been in that position myself, so I don't really know, but uh, I think the only thing that I can say that she probably could have if, if she got a redo would be just to keep it off Twitter you know like I but it can be really really hard like I have never really come across this problem until Shadowhunters because most of the time I would do a project and all I would care about was someone was getting, like if someone would actually see it you know with Shadowhunters there is this massive fandom and I know I've I've had some missteps on Twitter in the past couple of months because I've said something in jest or I was drinking and thought it was funny at the time, <laughs> and and people have taken offence to it. Um, luckily, I've I've you know been able to go back and and either correct it or apologise or whatever it is. Um, but for you know for most people, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram are you know Instagram something that you take photos of and, and show to your friends. Twitter's the place that you go to rant about stuff. Facebook's the the place you go and rant that's not quite you know for the public forum. So I think. As actors, you've got to remember that that everything that you say is going to be put under a microscope, and um, and she just obviously chose the wrong forum to vent. I think. Well, we wish her the best, and I I can't, I love those movies, Crazy Rich Asians. I mean, I haven't seen the second yeah, one yet, oh, obviously. They're, they're so good, aren't they? Yeah, the books. I read the books, and they're fantastic. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah, so she still is going to have a very long career, and. Whatever that project was, it just wasn't in alignment with her, which, you know, is okay. She just needed an astrologer and like Kyle to tell her that. Right. And look, honestly, I've had, I've had, you know, specifically, I've been in LA for like six years now, so I've, I've had my fair share of unemployment, and I've had friends who have, have been in the same boat where they've been like, oh my god, my show got picked up. I can't think of anything I want to do. Like actually having friends cry because they don't want to go back to a, a show that they're contracted to. And there is a part of you in the moment where you're like, oh, come on, it's a job. Like, suck it up, buddy. Um, but at the same time, it's also, it can also be really, really difficult. If you're, if you're in a job that, and I'm not even saying she doesn't, she might love the job. It was just that she loved the other one more. Um, but it can be really, especially when you feel tied down to something. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, I wish her the best. Yes, um, you're right, Kyle. I think she will be fine. Mm -hmm. Extremely talented. She's so talented. Yeah, yeah. And, so talented. And, like she's a star. Like I had the first thing I saw her in was Crazy Rich Asians, and she walked on screen. I was like, star. Yeah. So absolutely, so many of them were. Next, we are going to be talking about dun 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 another royal baby of sorts. However, not really royal, but American royal, mm. which is Kim Kardashian and Kanye's West 
fourth child. And it's so funny because you forget that they have so many kids because we've only seen her pregnant twice, I think. And so the last two babies have been via surrogate. And the baby boy was born on Thursday, May 9th. And it was really cute, actually. If you guys haven't seen this clip on The Ellen Show last week on that exact day, Kris Jenner was a guest and... Ellen surprised her with six of her grandchildren and Courtney coming out. Mm. And uh, Kim was supposed to be there, but they actually announced live on the air that Kim was uh, Kim surrogate was having the baby. And Chris, it was so cute. She's like, "What are we doing here? We gotta go! Like, uh-huh. we gotta go!" And uh, it awesome. it was really sweet, really beautiful. And you know, there's not exactly a ton to say about it, but name? we have not heard the name yet. Mm-mm. I'm assuming it's going to be like East. No, I don't know. Um, I did see an interview where she said she was done with directions. Um, <laughs> That's good. Maybe another city. Not sure. I mean... What has she got? She's got North. She's North, Saint... Um, crap, what are the other two? Chicago. Uh, Chica- yeah, North, Saint, Chicago, and... Mm, I'm blanking on the other one. I like Saint. Saint's a cool name. Very Kanye. Chicago's... I mean, love the city, but maybe not. I like Brooklyn when the Beckhams did that for their kid. Me too. That's a cute name. But it's like Chicago. I don't think anyone... I don't know if it has the, the, the ring to it, but, you know. Yeah. It's and fine because they're, they're their parents are, uh, you know, American royalty. I think that their child's going to be fine. Hopefully, or, you know, maybe not. Sometimes uh, the royalty uh, and yeah, celebrities. Yeah, well, true. But you know what? At the end of the day, as many things that go around about this family, especially Kim and Kanye, yes, they're weird. They're a little bit odd and peculiar, but why Why wouldn't they be? Mm. They can be whoever they want to be. They are completely unique. And, yeah, so this baby was born. Apparently, uh, the baby looks a lot like Kim, which is super, super cute. And uh, Kim says the baby also looks a lot like Chicago, and the family is very, very happy. So we did this last week for the royal baby. Kyle kind of is going to go into who this baby is probably going to, what's it going to be like? Absolutely. So, you know, just before we dive into the child, you know, we've talked about Kim and Kanye before. They are very, very compatible astrologically. Kim is a Libra. Kanye is a Gemini. They're both air signs. They flow very you know, organically together. Also, with Kim being a Sagittarius rising, she is also really activating a lot of partnership energy for Kanye because of his Gemini son. Gemini and Sagittarius are opposites. Have you ever dated a Sagittarius, Luke? No. Do you no. have friends that are? I've, I've got no relation whatsoever to any. Wait, what? What? What is Sagittarius? Sagittarius starts at the end of November and it goes through until like the twenty second of December. Yeah. About there. Mm. I mean, mm. yeah. Keep talking. Let me think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, but it's, it, it could be any sort of important partnership. You know, mm. it doesn't mean you necessarily have to end up with someone of right. that sign or that rising sign. But there is a naturally kind of actually. A, a so wait, what date? What date? It would be like November, like probably twenty second, twenty third, around there. So Kat, uh, the lead of my show, Shadowhunters, who's a good friend of mine, she's a Sagittarius. Oh. I knew there was someone who was like November. She's November twenty second, I think. Okay, so yeah, right around there for sure. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that you know is they're they're really enhanced. They're very compatible. We we love them together. Also, you know, fast forwarding now into the the child. So they it was the tenth, correct? Ninth or nine. wait, I thought it was the tenth. When she tweeted, it was the tenth. She 
tweeted the 10th. So the surrogate gave birth on, let's see, continue to look that up, or I'll look that up and then just continue. Well, great. So the sun in Taurus, you know, with, with this child being a sun in Taurus, they're, they're Taurus. So they are going to have a lot of the important qualities of this zodiac sign. So he's going, it's a him, right? Yes, it's a boy, and it's uh, I believe it's May 9th. Yes. Okay. So he's going to be a lover of pleasure, sex, food, comfort. That's going to be really, really important to him because Taurus is ruled by Venus. So, you know, that, that tangible uh, ability to feel comfort is going to be very, very important to him, which, as a Taurus, it is to me. <laughs> so uh, also Taurus, you know, being the bull, they're extremely strong-willed. You know, they, you know, at, at, on a negative connotation, it can be that they're very stubborn, you know, they don't change their mind, uh, but also on a really positive, you know, aspect for them is that anything that they set their mind to, they will get. Mm. So, you know, they are committed to uh, a relationship, they will make sure that they go the long haul. They are committed to getting their career to go ha to, to happen. If they put everything in, they will, they will make mm. sure that they get it. You know, that also Taurus is a fixed sign, so that's very, very... Uh, indicative of them, you know, in general. So also, you know, with him being a Taurus, he's, like I said, loyal, hardworking, but he also will be very possessive uh, of who and what he loves. You know, so those are just kind of some general things going mm -hmm. on there. His moon is in Cancer, so it means that this child is going to be very tender and really seek security in his relationships in his life. However, he's going to have a lot of mood swings, you know, so he's going to be very, very, you know, hyper-emotional internally. He may not necessarily communicate that very uh, abruptly to people because he's he's he keeps it within his you know his shell at like like a crab. Um, however, he's going to be also you know this this connotates you know someone that you want to be a great friend with because because he's so loyal and and you know all of this you know longevity energy is is really crucial to this child as well. Uh, however, you know he is going to become a creature of habit habit and he may be insecure because of his his emotions kind of moving like the tide. So there's that. Uh, also looking into his chart, his Venus is in Aries. So this means that in his, you know, love language and everything, he is going to be, he's going to fall really fast, very hard. He's going to dive into romantic relationships quite readily, but he's also going to be super flirty, very sexual. That's going to be really, really important to how he communicates his love language to people. The sun is dancing with Jupiter in his chart, so that means that he's going to be very, very refined and idealistic, but he's also going to be always thinking about the big picture and, and like overly optimistic. So things may not necessarily work out for him if he's just always thinking big picture, and especially you know with him coming from this royal kind of money, you know he's going everything is going to be open to him. Mm. He's going to be able to have everything, so it's going to be very difficult to box him down and hold him down, especially if he, especially if it comes from his ideas. He's gonna be like, I can do anything. I I, I want all of this. Um, and because of this, he is going to suffer from a lack of focus, and he's going to be easily influenced by people that he loves. So if, you know, let's say, you know, he finds a partner, and he or she's like, hey, we should, you know, do this. He's going to be like, absolutely. We will absolutely do this. And, and, you know, so that's kind of, you know, whoever, you know, ends up being with him, make sure that you get in very well. <laughs> um, sounds exactly like Kanye to me. Literally. Sounds a lot like Kanye. Well, I, I don't have uh, Kanye's specific exact chart pulled up, but he's a Gemini. You know, so mm. you, guys, you guys have a lot of similarities just within that. 
so you're calling me Kamyang. Well, this has been fun. <laughs> <laughs> Only half of you, maybe. Yes, potentially. Right. It is funny, though. I have dated a Taurus, and it was my first real girlfriend, and, and uh, there's a lot of that that, that resonates. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, that's kind of just like an overall view of him. The, the last thing I guess I would say is that in his chart, the sun is connected to Saturn, which is Saturn is about maturity and longevity and sometimes hardships. Because his son is so divinely just like attuned and in alignment, he is actually, once he comes to a place in his life where he takes this big wide vision and grounds it into very practical, you know, very rooted things, he will achieve long-lasting results in his impact in the world, but he's really got to focus on the details and making it very, you know, in order to, in order to change the world, you can't do it in a day, but you have to figure out how you can make those practical details come to life. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I'm very excited to see what this baby boy is up to. He sounds like he's going to be very interesting. Um, I don't know. I'm like having all these pictures of him in my head. Side note, last week we kind of got into my red carpet experiences, and um, I do big red carpets every single week, and... An embarrassing story, you guys. So I'm going to share it with you. Uh, this Can't past wait week, my favorite kind of story. Oh, I had a lot last week, but I'm only going to share one. Um, okay, so I was at a benefit for MS honoring Selma Blair, mm. and I was on the carpet, and you know, Chris Jenner was going to be in attendance, but you never expect to get Chris Jenner unless I work for a company based internationally, so. We're not, you know, a lot of times we're next to E.T. and Extra and E., but I usually don't get those same people. Chris Jenner is kind of going even to the back of the press line and, like, randomly doing interviews. People were like, oh, my God, Chris is doing press. And when I interview people, even if they are nobodies, I give them my 110% full attention, make eye contact, so sometimes it's hard for me to see what's going on right. behind them. And so Chris Jenner walks by. My camera guy is like, oh, my God, Sam, there's Chris Jenner. And then she's continuing to give interviews. And her PR guy walks uh, over to me, and I thought it was me. It wasn't. There was a 13-year-old girl on the red carpet giving interviews. Really happy for her. Um, super nice. She had a momager situation. Uh, she was recording her, and I don't even, quite frankly, know how they got there. And I'm like, oh, wow, all these years of hard work. And I, okay. And so she, the PR guy says to the little girl, I'm going to bring Chris right over. And I'm like, well if Kris Jenner is giving an interview to this 13-year-old child, she sure, surely is going to give me an interview. And I said, oh, um, can, I, can I have one quick question? And he literally just says, no, just her, and points at the 13-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, wow, bruised to my ego mm. much. And I felt like such a, I felt like a bitch because I'm kind of like wishing this little girl like, oh, screw her. You know what? Like, what a what a brat. And she gives her the interview and her mom is on cloud nine. And then my camera guy says, you know, stick your mic in there. Just you got to grow a pair of Sam and just stick it in so we can get the bite. So I'm sitting there and it's painful. I'm not that aggressive of a person. And mm-hmm. I'm just my hand is out. And then Chris hits my mic uh like with i think it was either her arm or her boob or something she was like oh excuse me and i was like oh, excuse me i'm congrats on the baby and uh she walked away and i literally just wanted to die and so um we did you know get her on camera mm. and she was very clearly not talking to me <laughs> so uh <laughs> 
congrats to this 13-year-old girl came here from Atlanta for the, you know what, maybe they had a past relationship, whatever. I <laughs> I, I wish her I mean, well. I cute. it's a cute thing for the PR guy to do, to be like, oh, you know what, I'm not going to give anyone interviews <laughs> except for the, the, the 13-year-old girl. Um, and you know what, it might have changed the course of her life. I know, I know. Let's hope. Let's I hope, hope so. For the better as well. And I'm a really nice person usually, and I felt guilty. I was like, what's wrong with you, Sam? Don't, don't do that to a child. Like, be it's happy with a child. I, a, a friend of a friend's uh, newborn baby booked a role on this TV show, and I was jealous of a six-month-old. <laughs> so, you know, you've got to... <laughs> you win some, you lose some. Exactly. I so. love that. I literally was. I was like, oh, it was its first audition? Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Win some, we lose some. Maybe one day I'll have a sit down with Chris Jenner, and we'll be friends. And I'll be like, "You blew me off for a thirteen year old." That'll be a funny story. You can share. By the share. way, yeah, it will absolutely. Okay, so next there is some positive news. Uh, I'm a huge Demi Lovato fan, and as we all know, the past year has been extremely rough for her. She OD'd in the summer, and she went to rehab, and we haven't heard as much from her recently. And in December, she basically just asked everyone for her privacy, blah, blah, blah. I mean, she literally almost died, and we didn't know. Everyone thought it could have ruined her vocal cords. No one knows what's been going on with her, but she just announced that she is signing on with Scooter Braun, who is an amazing manager. He manages Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber, really helped build their careers, and both of them, Ariana hasn't explicitly said this, Justin has. They've had some substance abuse problems, and so he's not only like a manager and a creative partner for these artists, but he's also a friend and, and really wants the best for them. I've I've interviewed Scooter Braun at a charity event. I think he is a really, really cool, fantastic guy. He pushes his artists to make great music, matches them with fantastic producers, and I'm not sure who Demi was with before, but this makes me really happy because I just feel like this is exactly where she belongs. So Kyle's going to tell us a little bit about Scooter's partnerships and like why this is a really good match for those two. Absolutely. So, Scooter is a cancer. So the interesting thing about this sign, no matter if you're a man or a woman, uh, you're naturally going to have a very maternal energy to you. So, you know, he is actually going to naturally like to take care of people, and he's going to be very good at it. And so, you know, he's caring, he's comforting, he's strong and loyal. Even though cancers can have a lot of very intense emotional energy inside of themselves, they still have that, you know, that shell. So it usually is internalized, but they can still, no matter what, go to the ends of the earth to make sure that they're taking care of the people that they, that they love. And, you know, I, I just, I love cancer so much. You know, they will invest everything that they have into really making sure that everyone is safe and secure. So naturally, he's got that gift. And also with him being a water sign, he's, you know, kind of, he, he's able to intrinsically connect emotionally with almost anybody. You know, he can, he can meet them, know what they're feeling, reflect that, you know, or, or heal it or, or mirror it or psychically understand it in a way that, you know, other signs may not be as intuitive or, or gifted at. So this is, a, this is his key power. You know, he can connect with, with pretty much any, anyone. Also, cancers are linked to the home, domesticity, safety, and security. So that is something he's providing to these artists. So looking at these other charts, we have Justin, who is a Pisces. That's a water sign. Then we have Ariana, who's a Cancer. She's a water sign. So naturally, when you're, when you're connecting with someone of the same elements as you, 
it just it fits. It feels really, you know, safe. It feels, you know, like something that you, it just it makes sense. You know, it, it's very natural to them to communicate in a very, you know, emotional capacity. Then also looking at Demi. So Demi is a Leo. However, she has a Taurus moon. And the moon sign is, is how we, you know, our, how our emotions are processed, how we feel internally, you know, how we really, really want to, you know, seek our own security and connect with people. So that being a Taurus moon, that's Earth. Then we have Cancer, which is water. Taurus and Cancer are also divinely connected because one of the things that I always kind of look at is, you know, if you, if you have Earth, which are seeds, and then you have water, you know, which is the water sign, that creates flowers. It, it, it allows things to, to build in abundance and to grow. So in her heart, in her, you know, emotional center, she can tap into that very, very easily, and it allows her to build a trust with him and be like, okay, this can go. Also, looking at eclipses, because that's one of my, my favorite ways of looking at things, uh, especially when it comes to prediction, there are, we, right now we're going through uh, eclipses in Cancer and Capricorn. So for Scooter, he's having a lot of very big partnership energy that's going to be significantly growing over the next year and a half. So he may be actually ending some contracts with some people, or he's finding better, better contracts to actually dive into, which, you know, him, you know, entering into this with her now shows that there's going to be a longevity to it and it's going to grow. However, the way that the eclipses are hitting Demi are they are hitting her house of, and this started last July, her house, uh, the, 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 the 12th house is all about privacy and healing, but also can be like the demons that we have, our addictions. So she's having, going to have a lot of this exposed over the next year and a half as well. And it also is hitting her house of employment and steady work. She, she's a pop star, you know, steady work for her is, is an album, is, going on, on tour. Mm. That, that's how she makes her money and that's her day-to-day. -day. So since she's having eclipses happen in this area, she's going to be seeing growth in that over the next year and a half, mm -hmm. too. So he's connected to that. Wow. Yeah. So. And that's crazy. July July is when she OD'd. Last and July. Yeah, last July. That's when the eclipse happened. Wow. That's insane. But things are looking up for her, hopefully, with Scooter, yeah. I think. Yeah. I want new music. I'm a big fan. Oh, she's amazing. She's I got I do. definitely one of the best voices in the industry. So good. I mean, her and, Ar and Ariana, like, he has both of them. I they know. are the... They are the, t yes, like, the two best female yeah, vocalists. The like. best female vocalists of our generation. I, I saw Ariana Grande perform at Wango Tango, and I genuine like the mic was basically on her foot. He was so far away from her mouth, and she's just insane. Wow. Mm. I love that. Oh, big fan. Well, can't wait to see what they have in store for us next we're gonna quickly get to our celeb wtf and mm. that will be what is it lady gaga and bradley cooper i was just thinking about them the other day i think i had a dream about a star is born and that's probably how this came up i'm a i love that movie i own it i've probably seen it 10 times at this point i'm not even oh, kidding please, way more than that <laughs> we've watched it at least four times together usually when i'm like writing some pop culture astrology thing for a magazine yeah. Yeah. It's I've seen it a lot of times. So, but it's very fascinating because the hype has died down. Obviously, award season is over. They took home best song. My personal opinion, they deserve to take much more home. But the chemistry between these two on screen, but more specifically off screen, was insane. 
he has a domestic partner who um, is the mother to his child, Irina, and she's a model, she's beautiful, but she's very quiet, never really seemed like there was a lot going on there, but also people are just private, like that Mm. means absolutely nothing, but him and Lady Gaga were going the circuits, I mean, he showed up at her concert in Vegas, and they literally looked like they were about to make out. Um, at the Oscars, they performed. Literally, she like had her head on his shoulder, and they mm. looked again like they're about to cry and make out. Um, and she and her fiance split. Christian Carino, and who was air an agent, uh, his her agent at the time. And uh, everyone thought, and that was right before the Oscars. So everyone thought, oh, are her and Bradley going to be together? No. And we all kind of expected. When I say we all, I think I mean myself because I'm probably one of the only people that just goes to sleep at night thinking about this. Um, thought that it's, it's my job. You I know? just I heard that <laughs> like in in a delay and um, yeah yeah maybe yeah. that was what my you know what I'm, I'm pretty not, sure it's just you. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah okay. Well I hope I speak for um, some of you out there. You know I'm like what happened to that? Was that real? Were they just really good actors? Were they even really compatible? And I know I've asked Kyle these questions before. So Kyle tell us a little bit about like what was going on. Yeah so Lady Gaga is an airy sun fire. And she's a Gemini rising, which is air. So the, the way that energy of, of Jupiter, which is Jupiter's the planet of good luck, good fortune, miracles, is affecting her is it's across the sky from her in her house of partnership. So she is actually very divinely connected to whether they be collaborators, which would be him. It also could be marriage partners. It also could be any sort of agent you know, mm-hmm. manager, any of those kinds of important things. So she's divinely blessed, actually. I looked at it specifically pretty much all this year and into next year where she's going to have a major focus on both her career exploding and her partnership energy. So this is really, really crucial for her, you know, just on her trajectory. Bradley Cooper is a Sagittarius rising, which is fire, and that works very, very well because it is exactly across the sky from her Gemini rising. So we can see that there's this, you know, polarity and yin and yang that's bringing and uniting them as as the same. So that's why they're so just energetically connected and and, and they just really flow and bounce off of each other because they just intuitively understand each other. He's a Capricorn sun, you know, which isn't necessarily as compatible per se with her other areas of her life, but that Sagittarius rising shows that they can be creative together, energized together. And also his Sagittarius rising really likes her Aries sun because that's fire as well. And so he also can just intuitively really be like, yes, I get her. Even if she doesn't totally understand him, he he does get her. Uh, so there's that. That's really important. Also with Jupiter being in his rising sign of Sagittarius, this is one of the luckiest years of his life and it is laying the groundwork for him for the next 12 years. So I'm not saying they won't ever necessarily be together, but at this point in time, I don't necessarily see it, it has to be, especially with Jupiter being a retrograde. And also, you know, going back to eclipses, you know, kind of like I talk about all the time, they are happening for him in his, he's changing his identity, and he's also changing the way that he sees partnership. So he's either going to grow closer together with his committed partners, or he's going to leave them. So, you know, that is, these eclipses are going to be happening for another year and a half. Mm. You know, so that's really going to be a, a big transformation for him. So, so yeah, so, you know, also, you know, I'm seeing creativity there. I'm seeing art, fertility. And, yes, there is the possibility for love, 
with them, particularly from Bradley's point of view. Interesting. You know? And I think I, I kind of really do see him that he looks at her as his muse. I can really see that look by looking at that that alignment there. You know, also, but just to finish it off with, with the other people involved, it, is it Arena? Uh, uh, her name is, and she's like a very, very famous model. She's yes, Arena, yeah. So she's a Capricorn. So it's interesting that two Capricorns would be together. I'm, I'm sure it happens, you know, plenty, but I haven't personally seen it in my life. Actually, no. My, there's a guy that lives in this building that does, now that I think about it. And, you know, they're very stable and secure when they really want something, but they can have difficulty communicating their needs. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like there's fire, you know, with, with, with her between them. Granted, I don't have his full chart here. I don't have her full chart. There could be different ways that they're interacting. But with, with Lady Gaga, there's passion. There's, there's vibrancy. And then looking at Christian which is Lady Gaga's uh, ex-partner. He's a Pisces, and this is a very interesting combination for Lady Gaga. You know, she does have a Scorpio moon, which is water, so she probably really is attracted to his, like, free spirit and sensitivity and, and creativity. But, no, I mean, I, I guess just, you know, I, I, I've said this before, too. Every single sign can work with every single other sign. Mm -hmm. Every, you know, relationship takes time and, and communication and effort, but there's certain certain compatibilities that just work more naturally. Mm. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, so that's why just looking at that very basic compatibility, I'm like, Lady Gaga, really? But mm -hmm. I don't have the rest of his, his, his chart, you know, so there's that. Well, it is over. It, it is over between them, so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Bye. If it ever, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think anything ever happened. I choose to believe it didn't. I, I think that it would have been... I, I definitely think nothing would have happened between them when they were shooting because he was directing her yeah. and I think in that that power dynamic and everything that was happening during Me Too there was just nothing you know he would have had to have respected being an authority figure and then I just think that after it I don't, no, I don't buy it a girl can dream and that means they're great actors that's what I have to yeah. say yeah but you want to know who also is a great actor they do say this what? wait before you tell me who's yeah. a great actor because I can't wait to hear this um, uh, they do say like in, in I don't know if this is like an acting thing, but they always say if there's chemistry on screen, there's no chemistry off screen. Interesting. And if there is no chemistry on screen, that's how you definitely know they're hooking up. Oh, you know, well, that was... <laughs> it's I have true. heard that. It's, wow. it's true. It's mm -hmm. true. And sometimes you can see it. Like, I've, I've, um, I've watched things before and been like, uh-huh, they're definitely yeah. hooking up. Well, it was that Jennifer Lopez Ben Affleck movie when they got engaged oh, really quickly. Was it with Julie. Yeah, and it was really bad, and everyone's like, "Yeah, no, they're banging," and, <laughs> and they were. But like I said, speaking of fantastic actors, Luke Baines. Oh, no. It's you. Meh, meh. It's you. Um, we're going to talk about you next. You are a Gemini, and you just closed a chapter of your life as far as Shadowhunters yeah. is concerned. You're going to be traveling, you know, for a couple months, doing some new, exciting things. So, Kyle, let's get into what's going on with him and what is coming up for him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so we know that you're a Gemini. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to looking at your rising sign, we can't exactly find that because when I was looking into it, in the span of a 10-minute gap, mm -hmm. we don't have the exact time it would change things mm. very significantly for you. Mm. So if you ever do find that, I would be happy to connect with you. And How do people find when they're born? At least birth certificate, right? Yeah. It's not written on my birth certificate. 
and I am the youngest of four children. So my mother has a. She remembers giving birth to me, but just <laughs> when it happened, everyone's very unclear. I mean, I would even just check with the hospital potentially. I love that. That's so funny. I know, isn't it? It's it, because I have friends who are like really into astrology. They wanted. To, I think one tried to do a, a, a complete chart for my birthday one year, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm lucky that my mum remembers what day it was, let alone you know <laughs> what time it was. Totally, totally. So. You know, we're just going to focus on your sun sign and kind of how things are moving for you. So, Jupiter is a planet of good fortune, luck, miracles, as I was saying before. So, it is across the sky from you in your seventh house of partnership. Mm -hmm. So, this is going to last until December 3rd of this year. Mm -hmm. So, if you have a significant, you know, romantic partner at this point in time. I do not. I am very single. Well, so <laughs> with that, with that the being opposite question, of partnered, I am very single. Aren't we all at this table? God damn it, I feel that way too. Um, Where's the wine? <laughs> I actually do have wine. Um, so yeah, so you're actually blessed with finding someone that has really long-term potential for you. So, you know, go out there and try to find that person mm. and really connect with, you know, that that is the kind of person that you want to be with, mm. you know, that you want to invest a long-term commitment to. Mm. Also, you know, it does rule out other things outside of just romance and marriage. So you may have an opportunity to find a better agent, uh, a better manager, uh, a better, e- also even collaborator, mm. you know, you finding important, you know, relationships. So for instance, last year when this energy was affecting me, Chris Salvatore is one of my favorite actors, and I've been a big fan of his for a long time, we started working together, and now we've become really close collaborators. So that's why I know it also it, it is that a, a part of that energy as mm. well. Cool. So, so yeah, just, you know, kind of go out there. Also, your Venus is in Taurus, so one thing that I can kind of see about you is that, you know, even though you have Gemini energy where you're, you know, you like, you can be sometimes a little scattered, but you, 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 need, you need stimulation. You want different, you know, options and things. When you, when you are in love, you are super possessive, and super romantic. Like you are you love so hard with your Venus and Taurus. Like it's the worst. And it's just like but you can't let go either. <laughs> you can never let go. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's actually funny cuz when uh when you tell you know we were talking about the new moon coming back is that what we were talking about? And on uh November 7th I looked it up and I'd just gone through a breakup and I remember cuz there's a photo that I took on November 7th. I remember thinking like I remember how I felt in that moment which is I it yeah, I fall so hard, mm-hmm. so quickly, and just will never let go. Like it's it's terrible. I'm working on it though. My my Taurus is <laughs> or my my Venus is in Taurus too, and I have a, a great difficulty mm-hmm. with that too because mm-hmm. I believe in so much in in love and you know it's it when you think of the 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 romantic comedy like Libra and Taurus are both energy that would always be about that like we can't you know we always want that picture perfect but the thing about with Libra Libra can get let go Doris can't right. it kind of sucks but it also is great if you do if you are loved by us because we will always make sure that you are shown love mm. and given mm-hmm. love yeah so, so there's that some important dates that I want to talk about for you though uh, are there's a new moon in Gemini on June 3rd so that in the 10 days that follow that you need to make big movements that you want to follow you for your for, for your any every area of your life for an entire year. Cool. So send out important resumes, release an important publicity campaign, whatever is going to really like shape your identity for the coming year. Mm. And it doesn't even have to be career related. It mm. can be like I want to start this diet, 
and I want to be on this specific cleanse. I want to write a book this year. I want to take a class. I want to get a cast. You know, whatever it be, just the important things that are close to your heart are going to be really crucial at this point in time because the whole world is open to you from that, that week or so. However, all of those things are going to culminate around December 11th. So that you're going to be in the spotlight big time around December 11th. So watch what pops up because it's going to be directly connected to June. Mm. Also, the last thing I'll talk about for you here is Venus is the planet of magnetism, beauty, romance, passion, pleasure. It enters your sign on June 8th until July 3rd. So, you know, go on fun dates or, you know, do things that are going to really enhance your pleasure. Mm. You know, you're going to feel more creative. So if you're really looking to, you know, do any sort of creative endeavor, you can't, if, you're, if you actually can take any photos, at this point in time, you're going to be more naturally beautiful. So do that. Well, I will be in Milan for Fashion Week. So Weird. During that time? Yeah. Holy weird. crap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then your biggest career moment of the year happens around September 13th. Yeah. Oh. Let's hope it's not like me getting arrested or something. <laughs> no, I don't think so. When you said you said uh, December, the world, all the world will be watching or something. I was like, oh god, what do I tweet? <laughs> 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 trying to stop myself in advance. I love it, and you know, the just gotta give a little shout out to the Shadow Hunters fans out there who hopefully mm-hmm. will listen. You know. The duality of Jonathan was always a very complex thing, right? Mm-hmm. He was good, used to be good, and then he turned evil, and he totally. was he was back and forth. And I, I'm sure that was probably something fun for you to to work with as, as who you are, like those two dualities. Yeah, and, and perhaps that's why I, I keep playing these characters. You know, being a Gemini, I do. I, I don't think you know. I I think I, maybe it's a misconception, but when people talk about Gemini, they talk about having two different personalities. I don't think I have two personalities but I definitely uh, I can like argue myself into something and then argue myself right back out like I can always see everything from two points of view Uh, and so I think that that was one of the tools I used in playing Jonathan was that you know I got this and and it was written as a villain you know he was he was meant to be the villain of the series and and he he was by the end of it but I wanted to explore the the lighter side of him rather than the dark side because I find that to be more interesting and so maybe that comes from this absolutely I love that well before we let all of you guys go and we let you go mm-hmm. we are going to do a very fun game of bang Mary, kill Taurus season once again it's Kyle's turn so, so this is actually going to be the last week of Taurus celebrities for bang Mary, Mary kill and we've been doing a lot of men lately so this week I wanted to do women Tina Fey. Oh, good one. She has the same birthday as me. I love her. Mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm. Also love her. Or Kate Blanchett. Ooh. Oh. Those are wow. so hard. Right? Wow. I, th- I felt that's why when you were saying earlier, you were like, well, you know, pick up some other some guys too. And I was like, no, this one's really, I really think this is a good one. See, I really like Michelle Pfeiffer because I, I saw her Instagram recently and she keeps posting like throwback videos to being ba- um, Catwoman. And oh my god, is she really? I need to follow her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, it's really hilarious. That was, that was my, she was my favorite Catwoman. Um, so. Oh yeah, I think, iconic. Yeah. yeah, she's iconic. Uh, Tina Fey, I mean, life would never be boring. Um, and Kate Blanchett is probably one of my favorite actors. I would say top three favorite actresses, mm-hmm. her and Sarah Paulson. I just, I absolutely adore them. I, oh, I don't, mm, oh, this is really hard. Um, I am going to 
marry Tina Fey. I'm going to. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have sex with Kate Blanchett. Let's be honest. Mm. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be very serious. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we're probably going to have some kind of monologue halfway through I don't know because uh, yeah. that means I have to kill Michelle Pfeiffer that's upsetting I really like Michelle Pfeiffer shout out yeah well mine was similar but now I kind of feel like I'm going to change it up because Michelle Pfeiffer I was that little kid that would run around like before I could even say big words and be like Michelle Pfeiffer John Travolta like who's your favorite actor and they would mm. expect me to say like Barney and you know yeah. I was like John Travolta Kirstie Alley so you know I'm going to marry Michelle Pfeiffer because no. I've always loved her and I am going to, I'm going to bang Kate Blanchett because, you know, like, she's very intense and mm. seems wild. Mm-hmm. And she's whoever you want her to be, you know? Well, that's, that's true. That's the fun of dating an actor. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I love Tina Fey, which I do love Tina Fey, I think she's a little bit too like me to, like, feel any kind of, you know, romantic connection with, even though I love men. But if I were to love women... I hate to say I'd kill Tina because I don't want to, but this in this scenario, I guess I'd it's kill a, Tina. It's a really tough It's one. a hard one. With you. I think I would bang Michelle Pfeiffer just because she's the most iconic Catwoman. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know she's got that sexual, you know, fire inside of her, and she's a Taurus, so, yeah, she's going to she's gonna be hit great. It hard. Hit it hard. <laughs> so I'm going to bang her. I'm going to marry Tina Fey. Although I'm, I hate the fact that we'd have to share a birthday. That would suck. Uh, but also, I feel like we'd always be laughing and having fun. And you know what I mean? It'd, it'd be kind of an adventure. And unfortunately, we're gonna kill Kate. Ooh, wow. that was a tough one. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Luke. Thank this you for having me. A blast. Can you tell everyone like where they can find you? What's going on with you? I know you're traveling to Europe, and there's gonna be some fan conventions. If anyone from yeah, there is listening, yeah, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm actually my first ever fan convention will be in New Zealand next month. Uh, I will be spending my birthday at a fan convention, so um, hopefully that's a fun day. Um, and then I'll be in uh, Milan for another convention, Paris for another convention. Um, but I'm actually just going to, I think I'm taking a few weeks off and, and uh, going to travel Europe for uh, for June. Amazing. Well, where can everyone find you on Instagram, uh, Twitter? My name, Luke Baines. Yes, and follow him on Twitter in case you know. In, in case I say something uh, <laughs> completely ridiculous, which I will, and I'm sorry in advance. And you guys can find me, Sam Davidson, at SamD43 on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at AstroKiki Radio. And Kyle? My name is Kyle Thomas. And you can follow me at M-R-K-Y-L-E-T-H-O-M-A-S. We will see you next week, everyone. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Astro Kiki Radio on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Astro Kiki Radio, and you can also check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. Make sure to join us next week, and don't forget, we are the only e-news of astrology. Thank you.